1: I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they're lengthily discussed
0: Jaws, jaws,
2: jaws of the jungle, friend to you and me. Wait, jaws, jaws, jaws of the ocean, enemy to you and me. Look, the point is, <laughs> sh-
3: the shark weeks are here. The shark weeks are here, <sighs> Gorley. Oh my God! Whew. <sighs> this is very um. Uh, well, it's like going to the beach, and, yeah. and 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 you're gonna we're gonna dip our toes in the water, and. Uh, the sharks are the movies. <laughs>
2: With this whole podcast we're recording, Paul and I are floating on a piece of the orca mast, just dog paddling back to the, to land.
3: Yeah, Yeah. while birds kind of come down on the water to eat blown up shark bits,
2: (laughs) and all this podcasting equipment is in uh, plastic bags with rubber bands around. (laughs) If it sounds weird, that's why.
3: (gasps) Gorley, you're referencing the very end of uh, Jaws right now. That's right. And did you've seen it uh, once or twice? (laughs) Okay. Uh, I think I've seen Jaws four once or twice, but maybe this is the first (laughs) time I saw it. I uh, only because I just recalled it. when you were a youngin' mm-hmm. and you watch Jaws at the end, you know, when they're swimming away. Yeah. Richard Dreyfus and Roy Scheider together. And then they dissolve to the shot of the beach. Yeah. Did your little like mine, childhood heart wish and hope that you were going to see the two of them come up on the beach at the oh, end. Oh,
2: no, I never thought about that. But now that you mention it, I feel I do feel a little robbed.
3: Yeah, I I, uh, I was curious when I was watching it. I was like, how many other idiots thought <laughs> this movie is going to end with the two of them just like showing up on the beach? Well,
2: I can probably out idiot you because when I see that final shot of them paddling away, I'm I'm completely reminded of the end of Popeye and the credits of Popeye were Bluto's just swimming away from camera as well. Oh. And it's like a very similar shot from the same kind of era.
3: Yeah, Robert Altman's got his fingerprints all over Jaws. Yeah, seems. no kidding. Yeah, Just
2: the whole thing. Because there's also a big giant octopus in that, but you feel like they probably thought shark first and then went, well, we can't.
3: Yeah, but I mean, a ripoff of ripoffs. I mean, Jaws has been... This is how successful a movie this was. It's been ripped off in every possible way.
2: I know, even kind of like by Peter Benchley himself with The Deep and, you know, yeah, he just really got in a niche, I guess.
3: But you know who didn't? Got to give credit where credit's due. Our boy Spielberg.
2: Our boy Spielberg, he ain't going back there. He
3: never even, he didn't even go back to the water, but he didn't really even go back to the thrills until like Jurassic Park. He waited. Is that right? I mean, there's thrills, of course, in an Indiana Jones movie, yeah. but I wouldn't put that as like suspense, thriller, dread, yeah. fear-based.
2: Those if- are thrills. He He's never gone back to chills.
3: Yes. Chills. He's done action thrillers, yeah. but not scary chillers Whoa. until uh, Jurassic Park. So even he had the restraint of being like, I can't, not Hollywood, though. He's He's done
2: Deep Sea Monsters. He's done... Old timey land monsters. <laughs>
3: Hello, uh, I'm a uh, dinosaur. Uh, creatures from the from the from the stars. That's right.
2: Yeah, many creatures from the stars. Wow. Well, by God, if and I mean by the God in heaven above. Yes, this is with Gorley and Rust. Yes. If you're just joining us, because maybe you haven't been a slasher person. Right. Maybe you're just a shark.
3: A splasher, oh, a splasher. Oh my god! <laughs> there's the slasher god. genre, and then there's the splasher. I love genre. it. I love it.
2: This is Shark Week's of with Gorley and Rust. Just so you can put a name to the voice, I'm Matt Gorley, yeah,
3: and I'm Paul Rust. Yeah. And Gorley, this started. This podcast started. We were like, let's talk about the Friday Thirteenth movies. Then we said, hey, let's talk about those Halloween movies. Let's talk about those Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. Then those Alien movies. Then we chose but ten movies. That we loved horror movies or we wanted to experience. Right. And then, now we're here with Jaws, and I am, like, so excited.
2: I am, too. I am, too. And if you are interested in any of those past, Mm -hmm. many of them are on our free feed, though... Many of them will be not at this point. Like for instance, probably the Friday the Third. I mean, sorry, probably the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street are just on the Patreon. But if that doesn't entice you to become what's called a trustee, a member of our Patreon Mm -hmm. society cult, uh, (laughs) you you can get feature length commentaries. You can get mailbag episodes. We just recorded what I considered to be one of the most fun episodes I've ever done with you. Oh,
3: what a blast that was. It's the
2: cozy tournament championship of which of the forty nine films we've covered prior to these shark films is the coziest film yet, and that's only on Patreon.
3: And and yes, and that's because we like to think of ourselves as the coziest horror podcast on the net.
2: And and it's not even us. Everybody's saying it, Rolling Stone, The New Yorker, um Fox, Fox News. Forbes. Fox News was the first. You got to credit where credit is due.
3: <laughs> I know we had internal discussions between the two of us if we should go on and do those series of nightly interviews on Hannity, <laughs> but I think it's paid off with for the has. pod. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and he loves – well, he's more of a Texas chainsaw guy.
2: Yeah, anyway, I mean, you know. that, yeah. that checks. <laughs> So you can get that. You can get uh, episodes a week early without ads. Uh, you can join the Discord, which is a discussion forum community with all the wonderful trustees. Mm-hmm. Check it out. You can get merchandise. All of that's available on the show notes of this episode of the podcast. But if you just want to hear it, it's patreon.com slash with and Rust. And there, our business is out of the way.
3: That's good. Well, and with that Discord, uh, Gorley, would you say that's more of a community or a club? What, what do you think it gets, what, what, if wow. somebody goes to the Discord, are they joining a community or are they joining a club? Either one's great. It's kind of
2: both. And I have to mm-hmm. say, now, I was there in the early days setting it up and I check in on there. One, yeah, Usually when I'm like editing an episode and putting it together, I'll kind of pop on there and say hi.
3: Like a dad uh, at a sleepover. And it
2: feels like a dad at a sleepover because <laughs> this group of trustees in there, are a lot of them, have developed a language of their own that even I now am not privy to. So... Which is not oh. to dissuade anybody getting involved. They are so welcoming and you will quickly learn it. But I – they're they're running that place. So, it's like
3: you come back upstairs and say to Amanda, what's twerking? Yeah, and then I she the- shows me. <laughs> what's planking? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've been planking and twerking all along. It's ruined my 2014. <laughs>
2: Oh, so there's all that. Yeah. And then and then that brings us to what was my dear friend Paul's idea and that is a summer series of shark movies that when you suggested that just seemed like a no-brainer to me.
3: Well, thank you, but you were, you, you called it Shark Weeks.
2: Uh, yeah, which I love. Shark
3: I Weeks. Eat your heart out, Discovery Channel.
2: Yeah, way to keep it singular, doofuses. <laughs>
3: Do fusses. But what I also love about it, we haven't talked about a franchise uh, since um, Alien. Oh, that's right. Uh, loved that 10-movie break we took. Yeah. It was uh, just a beautiful vacation. Yeah. But But um, I- I'm just excited to also talk about this Jaws, first of all, masterpiece yeah. of masterpieces. Mm-hmm. But then um, this franchise, I think, is kind of like sort of a perfectly built franchise of just like the masterpiece first <laughs> – the pretty good, but Kind of weird. fun, yeah. Yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah. Third shit show. <laughs> Fourth shit, 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 shit. I mean, it it really is going to give a, a bevy of um, gifts.
2: Yeah, I agree. And the way this is going to go is we'll do this weekly, and it's Jaws 1 through 4, the first four weeks. Mm-hmm. Then we're doing, uh, I believe, Open Water. Yes, and then, which I haven't seen, so I'm very excited to yeah, see it. Um, uh-huh. I haven't either. And oh, um, yeah. go ahead.
3: No, no, no. Well, I thought you were talking about the other one that I haven't seen—the big, the Samuel Jackson. Yes, yeah. And I
2: have seen that one, and that is um, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. And then, speaking of being a trustee, you might as well join because then you get to vote on what the seventh film in our summer Shark Week season is. And Gosh. I think we narrowed it down to The Shallows, forty-seven meters down. Uh huh.
0: Did we? Yeah. What I think did we so. say? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And, uh, and wasn't there something else? Um, the Meg. Uh, multiple seasons of Shark Tank. I think is <laughs> the the last one. So I hope they don't choose that because that's just it, the the workload is yeah. harder. Yeah. Because what was it? Six seasons to Shark Tank. Oh my
2: god! I don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
3: Um. But yeah, it's uh. Uh, I'm excited for people to. Join us on this big boat ride.
2: Yeah. And if you yeah. are just joining us, this is uh, an easy listening podcast. And uh, the episodes d- do go on at length. The episodes yeah. do go on at length. And so if that's not your thing, you are fully understood as a person. And probably, uh, you know, uh, congratulations. <laughs> You've got priorities. If and on not, metaphor, you're in the right if place. If they're on a
3: boat, right now they can just, if they want to, they can put on their life jacket and just... Jump over if you yeah. want to. And swim back to shore. That's right. Yeah.
2: And if you decide to stick around, and you can leave at any time. You know that, yes. right? If you decide <laughs> to stick around, welcome.
3: Yes, welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome. Uh, so, Gorley, let's talk. I mean, we, we yesterday we recorded an episode. Yeah. But we talked about it. I, this is going to be very difficult for me not to make this episode about Jaws. just a love fest. I don't know if I have a... A ding dang darn negative word to say about it. I'd be hard pressed to find one. And I'm, I,
2: I why should we?
3: If yeah, it's that's not fine. there. If yeah. it's
2: not there, we're not going to invent them from whole cloth.
3: Right, right. It's like if somebody went on a, on a date with uh, Cary Grant and then afterwards was like, his story went on about a minute too long. It's like, uh, you were having dinner with <laughs> Mr. Romance, and his story
2: was one minute long. Are you kidding me?
3: <laughs> I love Cary Grant's minute long stories. It's just <laughs> nice you could you buy them at the bookstore and you could just sit down and read one and The Mineteer,
1: Carrie Grant. <laughs> yes, yes.
3: But uh Gorley, uh talk to me. What yeah. what's your history, experience, life with Jaws? Well, I have
2: an interesting experience with Jaws because I was born 2 years before this movie came out. Mm-hmm. So but I feel like I remember the advent of Jaws, which can't be possible because I would have been two years old. But Jaws was just always in my consciousness because it was, you know, they call it the first blockbuster. We talked about this on the cozy cast that, um, I won, the, No one was calling that it that at the time, but it was a sensation. And so if you went swimming at somebody's pool, you played Jaws, you referenced Jaws. If you ever went into a lake or the ocean, it's all you talked about. And it was such a part of my consciousness. And I've seen the movie over and over throughout my life. But I, when I sat down to watch it last night, I realized, I don't think I've sat down to watch this from beginning to end in decades. Oh, right on. I've just so understood. Like, known it. It's so deep in the references. I did an episode of I Was There Too. So I went on a vacation to Cape Cod with Amanda and we stayed with our friends. But then we went on a little splinter vacation to Martha's Vineyard. And I talked to a guy in the movie and I saw all the locations and did a whole on location episode of I Was There Too where we just like dug into Jaws. Who did you talk to? Who was the guy? That's the crazy part. I can't remember.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was Jaws. He was one
2: of the kids. (laughs) I don't know if he was one of Brody's kids or not. I think he was actually. I want to say he was, this is so stupid because some listeners going to go like, have listened to this and know better than I, and this is horrible. <laughs> but I, I think he was the brother of the, um, what's the, the woman that loses her son? K- oh, k- uh, yes. Kirsten, Kernston. Yeah. K- something uh-huh. like that. Kurtner. K- yeah. I want to say it was the brother of the Boy who played that role, but he was also in the on the beach or something like oh, that. Oh,
3: okay. Yeah, yeah. And what did you think of Martha's Vineyard? It's
2: incredible. I mean, yeah. it was it's tiny and it's such a s- interesting experience, and you can't escape the specter of Jaws wherever you go. It's wow. even to this day, it's just kind of part of the culture there, especially like the souvenir shops.
3: Oh, they and, embrace it
2: and they're well, it's not like yeah, I mean I guess I cause I was conscious of being there to kind of collect some interviews and stuff. Um I felt it was, but I I wanna say the guy that owned the store was the actor from the movie, like cause they used so many people in that movie were from the island. They were islanders.
3: Well, that's so I've never been to Martha's Vineyard, but it feels like the late 70s was its time. Yeah. Because of Jaws and then uh Mr. Billy Joel, I think is from there. So he was like, or he's from Long Island, but I think he's, he made that his party. Well, he references
2: it in Downeaster Alexa.
3: What's he say? What's he say? I have
0: charted a course from the
2: vineyard, (laughs) but tonight I am Nantucket bound. Oh, I
1: know this song, yes.
2: (laughs) I don't even know if I split two
3: verses there or what, but-
2: (gasps) I'm on the Downeyster, Alexa.
3: Named after his daughter. Oh, well, you know his thoughts about uh, honesty, don't you? Oh, yeah. That's such a lonely word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you know his
2: thoughts about all sorts of historical references Fire in rapid fire?
3: <laughs> I know he claims to be uh, not starting certain <laughs> elements. Look, if
2: ever a guy's clearly an arsonist because all he wants to do is make people think he and his friends didn't start any fires – First time a fire happens on the East Coast, I, I know where to go to.
3: Now, I know Billy Joel is considered not cool by a lot of people. So this, this story will um, uh, uh, hopefully be funny but uh, or amusing. <laughs> In high school, I was driving once and a song came on the oldie station and I loved it. And I never heard it before. I was like 16 and I was like, this song rocks. I hope at the end when they say who it is, it's not somebody lame because then I'm going to have to admit, I didn't know, but I was digging blank, you know, um, and because- What year was this? This was 1996, 97. I should have been, I didn't know until college that Billy Joel was lame. Can you believe that? Like somebody had to tap me on the shoulder and be like, no, he's lame. It was during that. No L-
2: one's draw. ever tapped me on the shoulder and told me that. I understand that that's part of the social consciousness, but n- no one has personally notified me of that, so I'm choosing not
3: good.
1: Not I to think understand. You that. Yeah. I except mean it's all-
3: for
2: I go walking in my sleep
3: yeah. in the river of dreams. You knew that was cornball. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Sorry. Go ahead.
3: Well, the song ended, and uh, they were like, "That was Billy Joel with You May Be Right.'" And I was like, "Phew, it's cool." <laughs>
2: Okay, fine. <laughs> fine if Billy Joel isn't cool. That song is
3: the Doric Corny. No, it's cool. It is. It not cool. That- <laughs> I mean, the fact. In every way, that's not a cool song. And then you
2: may, may, I'm also thinking of now. Look, still rocking. I want people to know at that time cool. I was
3: listening to Sonic Youth. Okay, I'm an, a kid living in Iowa, 15, 16 years old. And I'm listening to Sonic. Well, Youth, that's even worse. So I have some cred.
2: No, that's worse because you should then know what cool is, and you still can't distinguish oh, the boy, two. Boy,
3: oh, boy, oh, boy. You're great. cool, deaf man. Uh-huh. This is a conversation that uh, my wife and I have because she grew up in Long Island, uh-huh. and we talk about. Um, I mean, my wife is undisputably cool. Yeah, that's and true. she grew up cool. Yeah, and but I was like, but the fact that I was in Northwest Iowa <laughs> and I didn't have any records <laughs> no. around and I yeah. liked Velvet Underground—that's your I'm cool. cover, no, yeah, yeah. no.
2: Well, uh, I mean, I can't talk because I've got some real, quote unquote, uncool notches on my music belt. But, are they
3: blind spots? Are they like? um at least maybe you're aware that the perception of them is they're not cool. So bare, I'm highly aware like it who, in the same uh, way.
2: Oh, well, like crash test dummies, bare naked ladies, you
3: yeah. uh, know. Just um, um, double noun, uh, plural. Yeah, that's it. Canadian bands.
2: bands. And it's it's. I also understand the perception of them because what was put out on radio hits, you know, there's there is a different side. No, I don't even
0: No, want no.
3: It to. I have this a little bit with, um, oh, you know, a band sometimes isn't represented best by their singles. Yeah. And so like a Fountains of Wayne, I have to sometimes be quiet about because they, I, Stacey's mom ruined it a little bit.
2: I, I yeah. feel the same way about them. And I think even that's cooler than what I'm putting forward. So I'm, and you know, a lot of times when we're doing episodes that are just behind the Patreon paywall, we admit a lot more. <laughs> this one's going out for free.
3: I know, and it's our Jaws episode. So there is going to be people who are new to it, and right now they're like, "Hold on, yeah, these guys, <laughs> Billy Joel and bare naked ladies are cool."
2: Does that mean that Jaws isn't cool? <laughs> oh my god!
3: Well, let me to bring it back to Jaws. Let me say with with Jaws and its coolness. Yeah, I think Jaws is like one of the rare, special, special movies, where as it's aging. Mm. It's getting like – it already got mad respect when it first came out. Yeah, I just feel like exponentially, every decade, the Jaws love gets greater and greater and greater. And I
2: think with good reason too. And yes. the craziest part about that is the the myth – not even the myth, just the history of it being such a troubled production. And it just goes to show that – Troubled productions of the past are not the same as troubled productions of the present. You know, like a troubled production of the past maybe two decades often does mean like it's really going to be bad with the exception of maybe like rogue one or something i don't yeah, know but rogue like, one was
3: like the first time that sort of in a while that that broke the back of the bad production means bad movie yeah or troubled production means bad
2: movie. yeah but like star wars was very troubled jaws was very troubled yeah. and you know at the time they're making it and you can i can just feel the the hole in the middle of their chest going like this movie's yeah. sinking it's a runaway train and then they have still pulled this movie out of a troubled production. How is this a troubled production? I know. It comes together so incredibly well.
3: I mean, the, there's a part where um, Richard Dreyfuss says, um, this thing is a machine and it just moves and eats and makes other babies. I was like, he's describing the movie Jaws. Yeah, You put it on and it is so streamlined <laughs> and efficient and just like uh, – Killer. Oh my God. It's just like a and then the it makes other babies is like the sequels. Yeah. It's like all this thing wants to do is just be a movie, movie, movie and make more movies and entertain you. Um but yeah, the uh uh I I, yeah, what was I think your it's history? just cool that it's like it can be oh sorry, but I was just gonna say I think it's cool that like most movies kind of lose their muscle a little bit as yeah. they age. And I could be wrong, but I feel like you could still show this to an eight-year-old and they would like lose their minds.
2: I agree. And I think there's something about it that the, mo- the movie making hasn't aged. The movie, the time has aged. So it mm. does feel like a period piece now. And it would, especially to mm. someone younger, but it's, it's still a good movie. Like yeah. there's no cracks in the movie. It's just, right? it's just older.
3: That's yeah, all. yeah, and I, I think, think maybe the um, the humor and the observations about behavior and stuff are still; those are timeless. And the acting is so perfect. Oh my god!
2: I mean, it, I will get to the to the damn Quint monologue, but I know and everybody knows like that's the that's the thing in the that movie and everything. Scene, but Jesus,
3: from when they show their injuries to each other yeah. to him telling the Annapolis uh, story mm. to them singing. That's all one scene and it's like just uh, the best scene in the movie, the best scene of any movie. It's really – and what I was marveling about it was just like, I was like, I felt five intense feelings that were all different from each other in that scene. Oh, and I also love how in that scene, um, Quint, he's starting to fall for uh, 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 Hooper. Yeah. He's starting to like him. But the way he's showing that he likes him is by looking over at Brody I know. and kind of being like, "You get a what, what about this guy over yeah, here? I, I know. It's the best. It's so
2: good." <laughs> and and that scene has that feeling of that a little bit of that loose seventies kind of yes. not quite improvisation, but just that just real naturalism. But it's not that indulgent kind. It's still helmed by a director who's mm-hmm. who's kind of keeping it tight. One thing before we even get into this film. It's historically inaccurate because the sinking of the U.S. Indianapolis went down on July 30th. But in the movie, Quint says it's June 29th, which is the day we're recording this.
3: Whoa. (laughs) That's a little weird. June the 29th. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, God. The way it ends with him going... We delivered the bomb. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. His <laughs>
1: delivery like, on
3: that? That's, that's okay. Incredible. It was all worth it. Yeah. Oh, my
2: God. Up- However many of us die, don't worry. Many more will die.
3: <laughs> Jesus. That's, I got all the chills here with that June 29th tidbit.
2: Yeah, but I wonder why they got the date wrong. Because I, you know, I know a little bit of the history. I actually don't know a ton about Jaws. I did that episode, and I did have read some things about it, mm-hmm. but I feel like you'll probably really know a lot more about this stuff than I will. But I was watching the John Milius documentary a couple oh, of weeks ago, and they they talk about how Spielberg calls him up and he's like, I, "I need something here for this scene," and Milius on the phone basically just dictates a three page speech for Quint. And Spielberg gave it to Robert Shaw and Shaw's like, this is brilliant. I love it, but I can't memorize that. So he, he himself, Shaw edited it down to about a page.
3: Oh, I forgot about this in the yeah. Milius documentary. Oh, so it was like a a true kind of collaboration yeah, between I, everybody. Yeah. The thing I remember from that Milius documentary that was very moving was um, uh, Spielberg's talking about how John Milius can't talk anymore because he's yeah. gotten ill and he chokes up and he's kind of like i know the fact that john millius can't talk because he's got such a gift for yeah gab
2: and in in many ways like uh polarizing gab yeah too, yeah he's a very polarizing figure but i think he has improved but he's still alive that's good yeah that
3: makes me happy yeah. uh um we're all uh this kind of all comes together a little bit i um uh, there's a, a comedian writer um uh, based in l a who's really funny very talented evan Susser uh he makes some appearances on the Doughboys podcast he looks a, a lot like john milius oh wow and and um i said to him we were uh we were out a group of us were out having drinks and i said to to uh, evan i was like hey i don't know if anybody told you you have like a striking resemblance to John milius and he was like, you know only one other person has told me that Carl Gottlieb. Oh my god. The writer for Jaws. Why
0: was he hanging out with Carl Gottlieb? He's a
3: screen uh uh, uh Ethan's a screenwriter so maybe he just found himself with some screenwriters <laughs> one day <laughs> oh and then uh, I love that Carl Gottlieb. Yeah. Who, you know, has to probably share some credit with John Williams for Jaws. was oh, like, I'm hey, sure. you look like my buddy, yeah. uh, John Williams." <laughs> um but the the, the thing you we were saying about the troubled production history, yeah. it did make me think. I hadn't thought about it, but where you were like, "Oh, he, it would lead to the story was troubled production, great movie. And then that's sort of changed. Um, you know, heaven's gate people partly are like um, when Michael Cimino made that movie and it's such a troubled history. And then was a huge bomb. Uh, uh, people said the studio started using that as an example of uh, we, to uh, Tourists are out of control uh, We're giving them too much money and too much time We gotta take it back And in a way Cimino kind of blew it for people Because <laughs> now it's like when your sibling Stays out until 6am yeah. You're like okay all of you have to go home At 8pm now I was like right. what uh, But he um, I wonder partly And then Ishchar was like Wasn't that much of a troubled history um, The head of Columbia didn't like Warren Beatty and mm. so I think there's something to, once studios started taking control from filmmakers in the 80s, troubled hist- troubled production histories became how studios could win battles against oh, these crazy wow. artists.
2: So, like, you think maybe even they were trumped up a bit?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that they no longer, because now then they own the... Uh, pfft, Entertainment Tonight, Entertainment Weekly, the studios run those things. Yeah. And so they're the ones putting out the stories of like, oh, God, we're just trying to do the right thing. And these people, <laughs> they go and they take our good money and they make these movies. Um, it, it makes me sad that we, we can't have those, uh, except Rogue One, those stories of just like, God, this production went crazy. But it ended up being a great movie. I know.
2: I, I know. And I'm so curious – if you're a new listener to this podcast, my idea of heaven is a screening room where you get the alternate versions of these films. So I would love to yeah. see Gareth Edwards' version of Rogue One. I would love to see, even though it probably wouldn't be as better, this mythologized version of Jaws where the shark would have been present more in the film. That you always, I always wonder what now is popular myth too, because I'm even dubious that. How much that was the truth. Like, were they really going to put the shark in that much more of the movie? Because it just seems like so obvious that you don't show it. You don't even see a fin yeah. for the longest time. And when you do see a fin, it's a fake fin. It's the it, kids.
3: Yeah. I had the exact same thought last night. I've never watched it with the eyes of, oh, what if this scene, they did have the sharks? So like that's the opening scene. That
2: like imagine if the shark is just in clear view in the opening. Yeah. Uh, the cold open or whatever. Yeah.
3: I do think maybe that story... Spielberg is enough of a Hitchcock acolyte acolyte, and just a genius filmmaker that I think he would know like, oh, if I show the shark at the very beginning, it becomes too much of a story like the shark wouldn't work. So they couldn't show him at all. So they could only like.
2: Yeah. And there's so much shot in POV and you don't know is like that's because literally the shark isn't working. So let's switch to POV. Yeah. Or were they planning to do that POV anyway, which tells you they kind of knew that they had something with saving it till the. Well the Second scene that half.
3: I was looking at when I was thinking like what would this would this be different if they the shark had been working it was the end with the um when the they're chase the 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 ship is chasing after the shark with the, um, the barrels. barrels on it. Yeah. And I was like, I could see this scene being maybe more dynamic if you saw the shark underneath the water running along with the boat and they're like pursuing it and you have a clear eye. Oh yeah. But then I thought no, this is cooler. The yeah. barrels are cooler. Even yeah. if you had the technology now, you'd still prefer the barrels. Yeah. It's just like more, just a cooler, yeah. arti- more artistic choice. And, and I would make that, you know, in Jurassic Park, you don't see the dinosaurs the longest time and people get pulled behind a door and brought up and down inside right. the cage and stuff. So he, I'm sure the dinosaur could have worked that day. You know? <laughs> like at some point it became like a formula, not a formula, just a yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah.
2: So what's your history with jaws? When did it come into your consciousness? It predates you.
3: Yeah. Um, I am
2: BJ, you, you are B-J-ed. AJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh
3: yeah, same thing. It's just like I can't remember a time when just jaws wasn't always just uh uh
2: it's like you're talking Jaws for it was just all these <laughs> yeah, kids was, were just talking Michael Caine and Jaws. It was 4.
3: the summer before I went into kindergarten. The first day of kindergarten, <laughs> round up everybody's talking about Jaws. The Orange. we're
2: playing Jaws for I'm Mario Van Peebles.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just yeah, I was like having also two older sisters meant culture stuff was coming to me. I think a little quicker than yeah. if I had just been with my parents. Right, um, and so yeah, totally. Like you find yourself at a pool. Jaws could be in this pool. You find yourself in a lake. Like, I grew up in Iowa, so it's all lakes and ponds and stuff. But I was just like, a shark. I know there's salt water, but a shark could have possibly swam into this lake. And I got (laughs) to keep... um, I mean, I was going to say this at the very beginning. I think Jaws is like... Can you think of any other movie that has possibly come close to psychologically... Maybe psycho with showers, but just like globally freaking people out about something. I can't think of anything that's been matched. The exorcist, maybe. Like just But the Exorcist, yeah. you can I, I agree. I agree. And the glory of the exorcist is like it doesn't, it's not true. Yeah. And they're getting people to believe in it. But I feel like that because people are more likely gonna find themselves in water and be like, shit, Jaws.
2: Oh, you mean like Like, like an environment is so affected.
3: Yeah. Like I could see how somebody, oh, I can't go to sleep tonight because I'm thinking about the exorcist and it rattled them that way. But like, they're not going to be like sitting in church and be like, well, it's good that I'm here because if somebody gets possessed, there's a priest here and he can (laughs) like...
2: No, I remember going to the beaches and then there were people wouldn't go in the water because of Jaws.
3: It was crazy. I mean, Steven Spielberg made people scared of one of the elements. <laughs> it's like, a like I know I heard David Fincher once talk about it. He was just like, the fact that that guy traumatized people forever yeah. about getting into water is just like, I think it's probably what every artist hopes for. <laughs> I've just,
2: never heard it put that way. So Spielberg killed one of the elements for mankind. And then Ron Howard, of course, did fire with Backdraft. <laughs> um and whoever directed Trem- that- tremors did, did, earth. <laughs> did earth okay and then twister uh, was
3: wind <laughs>
2: <laughs> man these fo- they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse ron howard <laughs> spielberg predicting. and those whoever the other two directors are
3: <laughs> well Jan debon oh no for twister and then what was the other uh, uh tremors i don't know tremors is uh, ron underwood really wow can i get oh. let's see let's see Uh, I might be wrong, but... Go for it. I think Ron Underwood, director of uh, City Slickers and the Ralph Mouse TV adaptation. There's
2: probably a better Dirt movie. Uh, Joe Dirt? Yeah, let's go with Joe Dirt.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he directed... Ron Underwood directed Trippers. Okay. Um, Yeah, Joe Dirt, I think, is the good... (laughs) Earth. Uh, gosh, I still haven't answered your question though, Gorley. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, I just we got grew time. Up, grew up watching it. Probably first time I saw it was like on TBS or TNT and edited and stuff. But, uh,
2: on that note, real
3: quick, I remember
2: Jaws was a huge network television, kind of like, like Wizard of Oz was once a year on TV. I remember Jaws was an event and it would be on TV regularly enough that it would be like, Jaws is on tonight. Oh my God, you know, pre VHS yeah. and everything. Yeah.
3: Do you think it was like, um, a uh, 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 uh was it one of those, ver- I, I was reading online, Did, was there, was that a version where they added scenes and stuff? Because that can also make yeah, a It might be, like Halloween beat.
2: or something. Yeah, it feels like it. I know they certainly had to, you know, temp- temper some of the, like, I would. I didn't remember, and maybe it's because I'm watching a 4K version now, how kind of like the nudity you can see in that opening scene, like right out of the bat and the water. You know? Yeah.
3: I mean, and people are... Uh, you see joints going to lips and people taking hits <laughs> joints and to he- lips. I mean, because it's crazy. You, uh, I remember uh, when Reality Bites came out, seeing Ben Stiller give an interview where he was like, I, we had to go back in the editing room and re edit everything because as soon as a joint touches somebody's lips, it's an R rating. I mean, oh that's how like <laughs> wow. square people were after, you know, just say no and stuff. Yeah. Right. And yeah, like, Jaws is so groovy. 70s. You see people, beautiful, long hair and smoking joints and then a girl takes her top off and runs naked. Yeah. Um, And then...
2: The more scandalous thing to me was like you are throwing your shoes and clothes in such a willy-nilly fashion. How are you ever going to recollect those? You plan to yeah. live after this. You don't know you're going to die. I know it's the 70s and we're having free love, but you won't be able to find your clothing.
3: Yeah, as, as two guys who came of age in the restrictive 80s yeah. we're like, no, 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 just don't, don't, don't put the two shows together. <laughs> so, you know, the pair and then. Uh, put your socks in your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> This is, I also, yeah, it just does seem to be like a snapshot of a time. I mean, it feels very Nixon-y, Watergate-y, right? Yeah. Like the sort of like the people in power going to figure out ways to, uh... oh, and also Vietnam. I mean, like yeah, when mom like... comes up and she's like, uh, I wrote it down, but it's basically you could take those words out of him. You knew he was going to die. You knew it, was, it wasn't safe. You still let him do it. Now my boy's dead. Like, oh, it feels yeah. like it's speaking from some sort of ache.
2: I know, because this movie essentially comes out just right on the heels of Watergate in Vietnam, but was shot in 74, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, so it would have been of part of Watergate. And, wow. And well, tail end and Vietnam as well. Wow, interesting.
3: Yeah. And then 75 is like Jaws, summer of 75, and then SNL is yeah. fall of 75. It does feel like that was the time when- um, I don't know. The hippies totally were in control now. Yeah, I mean, they, up until that boomers, point, it was kind of like yeah. oh, they're cool underground people, and their things are percolating. Yeah, but when you make the most successful movie of all time, and uh, Johnny Carson ain't shit now yeah. uh, in late night because he got these young upstarts—they had does. the keys to the asylum—and uh, fifty years later, they're still
0: running. Things. They sure are. <laughs>
3: They sure are. So, Gorley, can we talk about yesterday we did – this is a little side thing. We were talking about – This wasn't even on mic, was it? No, no, no. But But that's
2: funny. This came up on a podcast I was listening to today. Oh.
3: Yeah. About this kind of like – Yes. Who – do you remember? I was
2: listening to this great podcast, 60 Songs That uh, Explain the 90s. I think it's a Ringer podcast. And, you know, Chris Ryan from the Rewatchables and The Watch, we both enjoy a lot of those podcasts. He was on because the episode was about pavement. And they were talking about how people of a certain generation, which for us is mostly just Generation X, you don't, you don't, you don't. uh, How do you even see? I can't even articulate it. That's the problem.
3: The uh, uh, well, the the thing we were saying yesterday was just sort of like, um, uh, in the same way that maybe people are sort of like uh, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi step aside. There's yeah. young, passionate people who are ready to, they're passionate about change, let them have the time. Um, we were sort of saying like, that kind of like, uh, I don't know the word for it, the hogging the ball Hogging the ball is
2: a good way. Yeah. You're not, we're, as generally as a generation, we're not predisposed to just say, Look at me for this reason. I did this, you know. Yes. That sort of stuff, stuff doesn't come easy to us. So, like promoting things on social media and stuff, I hate it. You yeah. have to do it, but y- you do it. But yeah, the the younger generation typically is all about sharing. Like I share feelings and emotions and private moments where we don't, yeah, as
3: much. Well, I was saying, yeah, to you too. I was like, oh, you know, growing up in the nineties or something, it was just like the squarest thing you can possibly do is be seen trying to be famous or cool or yeah. successful. It's yeah. just like, let people figure it out on their own. And the glory will be yours when they, if they do finally come around or something, but like, uh, the only thing that worse is just was not the time period. <laughs> no, <laughs> <That> was not. <laughs>
2: no, the only thing worse was listening to Billy Joel. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but the, the, the thing we were saying specifically was sort of like, there's just been, um, uh, 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 a dearth of movie stars that our age because you still got... And, and I was just saying, like, oh, really the only, like, great <laughs> yeah. actor of my generation, I feel right now, is, like, Adam Driver. Uh-huh. He's just, like, awesome. He's great. And you're, like, he's got a new movie out. I want to go and see it. But in the 70s, you maybe had, like, seven actors who were the shit At and least, getting to make multiple yeah. movies. And you could go and see them week to week. Or... Uh, I mean it's all shifted now. But I like even I was thinking about it last night after our conversation. Like in the eighties, there were maybe twelve comedy movie stars, yeah, who could on the basis of their name, Chevy Chase or Bill Murray, right. just m- get a comedy made. Yeah, my age, I think, it, uh, thankfully, because he's very talented and he's. Brilliant! He makes great shit. Is Seth Rogen? Like I yeah. can't think of anybody my age who his name alone could get a comedy feature greenlit. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> right. I, I'm out myself. I know.
3: And thank God. I mean, he does. He seems to love movies, and he makes movies that are actually movie movies. So yeah. it's nice that it's not somebody who sucks, but.
2: But he seems to have even slowed down and shifted and diversified, and he isn't doing them like he used to.
3: Right. It's not like a movie per year or two movies per year, which is maybe the schedule that, uh, yeah, like a Chevy Chase had in the the 80s. But uh, that's to say, I guess, like, I mean, now it's, I guess, with movies, it's sort of like the argument people would make now is like, oh, they're all, well, They're trying to be Jaws and not enough, uh, whatever, uh, Bloom and Love or like a a, a Scarecrow, like Uh, a Gene Hackman Al Pacino uh, down and dirty movie isn't being made. Everybody wants to make a blockbuster. But
2: But that's what's funny is that this movie never knew it was a blockbuster because it got defined after the fact. So you've got actors like Roy Scheider you don't think of as a blockbuster actor. Mm -hmm. Robert Shaw – he really – I always think of him – for some reason I think of him because I'm so like steeped in this movie, Force 10 from Navarone, which should be the least representative film of Robert Shaw's career. <laughs> he did it in late – well late into his career. He didn't think it was very good. I adore it. And so I always think of him as one of those kind of like English actors that just was became a jobber, like just like give me the easy uh-huh. – but that's not – that. He's incredible. He's so good, and and I always forget that. Like just twelve years before this movie, is that right? Yeah, twelve years before this, he's playing like a Superman Bond henchman in From Russia with Love, like a uber man, blonde, built, you know, built for nineteen sixty three, where it just means barrel chested, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut, but and he's like so scary and good in that movie, and. I don't know. I just no. Yeah, he's. I I took him for granted. I think. You
3: know? Well, then what you were saying too of like that these guys don't um all look like conventional movies. St- you know, yeah. like the the three aren't necessarily matinee types that yeah. you see in the and center that's a of the seventies thing. Yeah, I was gonna say the seventies stuff. Uh, you know, you we started it by saying jokingly that Robert Altman was, or not semi jokingly yeah. but I like. I remember after watching a bunch of Altman in like the 90s and then going back and rewatching Jaws, I was like, oh my god, this is such a Altman-y. Mm. There are a it lot really of scenes is. where there's like people talking over each other yeah. and interrupting and you're having to kind of pick who's you're listening to. Like that big scene yeah. where the town comes in and is all talking over I was like, oh, this feels so Altman-y. So. And then, um, but yeah, that the actors look like real people and then that the movie is um, it's like handheld and stuff it feels like a uh i think i don't think there's one like uh locked lockdown scene like i think it's all handheld yeah interesting uh i'm probably wrong because i mean lockdown lockdown because like there's parts where people are running um and the camera's tracking but that's still movement yeah and so there's like not, locked on a boat that's like alongside another boat basically right but still i
2: see what you mean and yeah.
3: i guess even the fact that maybe what i'm not precisely saying is like not handheld but the camera's always in movement yeah and it's not like a um it feels what it just feels like is like a yeah spielberg was tapped into what 70s movies were doing and like the stuff that was great about him and then just kind of applying it to real deal just old fashion movie making. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, uh, there's so many just amazing, um, like just that opening part when not the first, first shot of the water going, uh, the POV of the shark, but mm-hmm. then when they cut to the campfire, mm-hmm. like you could just look at that. It's so perfectly executed that it's invisible, but you just like, Somebody has to cue each thing happening as the camera's going by and everybody's just hitting their marks perfectly. Like that couple that starts like open mouth kissing and silhouette in front of the fire.
2: And I was thinking about that, how they had to probably like make sure we don't see the silhouette of a tongue because that's going to take you out of it a little yeah. too much. But you're also kind of looking for that because yeah,
1: it's
3: perfectly
2: yeah. backlit. Yes. But you you saying it's invisible feels so right because it it's that Spielberg type of shot where you're getting almost like a linear storyboard unfolding mm-hmm. at one time, but it's before it became that self-aware version. That's not a bad thing either. Just his long wonders were yeah. just like, like if you're walking down a street and there's a long mural, you get a story as you see it. That's cool. They're yeah. often like almost like, like panels of a comic book. This is less yeah. cause and effect or related. It's almost more just like a, just a sampling or a pastiche or something. And it's, it's, tame for spielberg but it's so nice yeah. to see that version of spielberg
3: yeah because yeah, there's two of those there's like when they go on that um ferry and it's like the whole take is just from when the ferry starts to the other end oh, and yeah. it's just um it's it yeah you don't notice it it's not like one of those conscious long takes it's because people are changing in relation to their dynamic in the scene people are getting close up to the camera and then going back so you get kind of like five different masters or whatever but they're just put in one and then the other one is that's incredible is the argument outside the um by the vandalized billboard that's all one long take and people are just moving in and out and getting closer and like the fact that it looks so easy is just like and then you think about like the, the Yeah, the elements of being on the water and the shark breaking down. Like, we've been on sets before. Coralie, the simplest stuff in the world is the – it's hard. Uh, like, just being on set for 13 hours a day. Yeah. And I was thinking about it yesterday. You're kind of jumping back and forth between um, – you're in it. You have to go in it and be creative and not have any outside critical thought. And then cut. Then you have to have a conversation that's analytical. You got to go from like feeling to analysis back and forth over and over again. That's so exhausting to have to even be thinking about like, and then imagine you're on, like, on, yeah, on yeah. a
2: scaffold out in the ocean. <laughs> and all of this is being helmed by a man with no shirt and cut off jean shorts.
3: <laughs> Who is isn't respected by his crew? Cause they think he's like a, yeah. a young punk. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, but what I love that, opening shot then when they the fire and the kiss and then it ends on that boy and you know the it's a thing people point to all the time now in spielberg movies like the spielberg look yeah you're on somebody's face first and you see them react to something and it's a bit of a delay before you see the thing that they're looking at so your own anticipation builds into it but then when it cuts to the thing you kind of go like "Ooh, now i get to see what that per- it's like satisfying it ends on like a spielberg look it ends on a boy who's like got a cup and he drinks a beer and he's looking you're like who's he looking at uh-huh. then it cuts to this like beautiful girl yeah um like that opening alone oh, oh oh and uh the other side of it when jaws blows up and it just takes that like grace moment to have him in slow motion jaws sinking i was like that's why people can't just reproduce Jaws. Like, it takes somebody... A hack would just shoot a campfire scene and show people playing guitar, and a hack would just have the shark blow up and then the movie would end. But this guy just finds, like, poetry in all these... It's really... I can't... I'm gushing. I'll just (laughs) gush this whole thing, but it's uh, it's really incredible. Well, it makes you wonder why
2: post-Spielberg anybody would do any less. And I know there's plenty of people that then try to do that and then overdo it or miss the mark or something, but yeah. it's amazing how many people don't f- fill their shots with some some life like that. I, yeah, it's or, surprising. or
3: think of it as like Even the, the classic thing production. of if I turned the sound off and I was just watching it, would I be yeah. able to kind of tell what the relationship to the characters and the story is? Yeah. yeah,
2: Yeah. And it's also amazing how if Spielberg, you know, was not really respected at this time, I just wonder this relationship with those actors, two of them at least are veteran actors. Yeah. Are they just doing their own work? How much is he communing with them to say like let's do this and that? Are they listening to Is Robert Shaw listening to Spielberg? Is he does he value yeah. his input or is he just like hang back, I've got this? Oh my gosh. I yeah. don't even I mean know. you
3: can uh, imagine the I don't know about Scheider – but that, I have to imagine those are three egos. Yeah, that, uh, even Richard
2: Dreyfus at that age, he's just got a confidence about him that can't all be acted for that role, you know? Yeah,
3: no. And uh, I, the story goes, I think that uh, Shaw and Dreyfus were not, they didn't get along. I think there was some. For real? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And then I saw some scene, uh, I think it was like a. a uh, British like talk show Richard Dreyfus was on and Robert Shaw's daughter was in the audience Ooh. and she stood up and she shared a story and Richard Dreyfus like cried he was like oh. touched so was, maybe they figured it out oh. at the end but uh, uh yeah um and then when did you do you remember when you first saw it was it, like on TV I don't have any recollection yeah, it, it it was
2: just in my consciousness before I ever saw it and. One informed the other, and the other informed that. I have no idea.
3: It seems like for the folks who were born in the '60s, and got to see this at a particular age. It like was very meaningful, and I envy them. Yeah. I wish I could have been eight years old. Yeah, watching I Jaws. made it
2: just under the wire to have that with Star Wars. Like it changed my understanding of imagination. I saw it in the theater. I was Ugh. four, four turning five, I think, but I do remember being floored by it and then my life changed after that part yeah. point. I was so into it but Jaws was always there oh
3: boy I mean and also then uh, you got to be eight when Raiders came out yeah oh, lucky God. I'm gonna envy you till death uh,
2: what I well, how old were you when Joe Dirt came out? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was just like, I mentioned City Slickers. I saw that when I was like 10, and I remember that being like a seminal experience for me. I was like, oh, he he thinks he's working too much. He needs to spend more time with his family. That's the important stuff. I'm like, why am I thinking about this? I shouldn't be thinking about like Luke Skywalker wants to kill Darth Vader.
2: <laughs> just young Paul listening to Billy Joel and watching City Slickers on um, <laughs> Loop.
3: <laughs> this will the you'll find out that this is all just like God. W- we were always in the grips of boomers. We yeah. can't get out from Still, the yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> God. Um, but uh, the uh, the thing I also imagine when you saw Star Wars is just like that had to be s- unless you saw two thousand one to see like special effects like, like that, that. Which just yeah. I never got the before and after this is what special effects were in
2: Jurassic is... Park. You were probably too old, right, to be
3: You know Jurassic Park odd, should be but... my thing cuz I was 12, mm. but was never a big dinosaur kid. Yeah, me either. And I can tell from my friends who were born in 1984, they have a different relationship to Jurassic Park that I didn't get. That they yeah. they got they were I mean, look, I Went home after Jurassic Park and repeated all the scenes in my kitchen. Yeah. Like I was pretending that I was getting chased by raptors and stuff. I like loved it. I freaked yeah. out, but I just I know I didn't. Uh, and it still leaves me a little cold now.
2: Yeah, I, I'm.
3: Uh, don't get us wrong. Yeah, don't get us wrong. We know Jurassic Park is cool. There is something.
2: Uh, how do you? Uh, it's there's just something basic about it in the characters and the plot. It's the I mean, characters funny because like you're talking about Star Wars and it's like the most basic mm-hmm. myth characters of Campbell. But there's something about the I don't know if it's the dialogue or something we're going to get a lot of.
3: I know and we love people who love Jurassic Park. Don't yeah. get us wrong. Yeah. I think if you look at the difference between this and like Jaws it is like a characterization thing. It's, it's just like yeah, people in Jaws, the characters in Jaws are just a little bit more human, for sure.
2: They're really written in Jurassic Park. Like the, I think the scene that always kills me is Sam Neill with the kid, which is you know that not so cleverly hid monologue about exposition. You mean Jacob
3: from Dream Child?
2: Sorry, I do. Yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> <Whit> Hurtford, <laughs> the actor Whit Hertford. That's right. Yeah.
2: God damn that. Scene is what's kicking off your movie, and it it always just feels written where Jaws just feels lived.
3: Yeah, maybe it's because what feels written about it is like, in, oh boy, here comes the Jurassic Park stands. I can hear them already, uh, uh, uh. but just like that they're... <laughs> uh, each character kind of can only be one thing. I think is mate, like, yes, that's right. There's, there's stuff in jaws where Quint is like four different things.
2: Same with the mayor even. Cause I went yeah. into this thinking, Oh, the mayor's just straight up a bad guy, but no, he, he has this moment where he's like, Oh God, you know, and he has yeah. racked with guilt and he's worried about being blamed and it has
3: regret. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, um, Quint, when he was like, I was like, this is a total 70s movie thing. And maybe it's the difference. But Jurassic Park has to kind of follow screenwriting rules of like, mm. Dr. Grant doesn't want to be a dad, but by yeah. the end he's taking care of the kids. Exactly. It's just like, mm, okay. okay. Uh, the, the, with um, Jaws, it's like very 70s uh, characterization of Quint being like, we're going to take the shark back to shore and we're going to drown him on the way. <laughs> and they're like, okay, Quint's taking care of the problem, but he doesn't want it that way. So he starts like grinding the motor so it blows up because he doesn't want jaw. He hates that he would kill jaws. Like, yeah. that kind of like inner contradiction is just like rich character stuff that, like, that ain't ever a uh, dress.
2: <laughs> it's like 70s movies were just flush with that. 80s went to just pure just kind of almost comic book level entertainment but it was crystallized and it worked and 90s sort of feels like we're going to have both but never quite got there that's a huge generalization.
3: No, I agree. There's something it's like 70s is like moral grayness is okay. 80s black and white and then 90- but we
2: understand it's a comic book. It's yes. not like trying to say that morality is right the real world. It's escapist.
3: And kind of what, you know, I grew up in the 90s and came of age and stuff, so there's a lot of, the independent cinema was just like so exciting to watch at that time, so I'm not crapping on all of it. But I think like with the studio stuff, they just, they started layering on this like, I'm a parent now and I care about the world shit. was just so <laughs>
2: I, I think you're right. I think that's what all the <laughs> gatekeepers were, yeah. but it was a hollow kind of, as long as a character has a two-and-a-half-dimensional arc where yes. they go from schlub to Wanting we'll to bub. be a
3: dad. <laughs> always came to like, it, but at the end, don't worry, they will reproduce. Yeah.
2: <laughs> or uh, you're finally going to visit your kid, your kid and your ex-wife and bring them a Tonka truck or something. Like <laughs> that. Written, Armageddon, in the can.
3: <laughs> Try to think of any blockbuster, just so I don't paint it with too much a brush, know, a 90s blockbuster movie that had some... It really got relegated to independent cinema having that kind of moral. It
2: did. And part of the problem is is me with this too because that stuff's coming along when I'm understanding a little bit more what a fully fledged
3: movie could be. So, maybe The Fugitive was cool? Like I yeah. feel like The Fugitive had like the fact that Tommy Lee Jones was sort of like hmm. Is he driven by real justice or is it just this is the guy we're saying is the guy we got to catch, and I'm going to catch him. And then the fact that Harrison Ford, you know, he's innocent, but he he's viewed as a criminal. At least gives some sort of yeah. Like it's
2: also not trying complexity. to do a ton. You know, it's it's just staying in its lane. It's yeah. really good action, but it's also not fantastical or science fiction. You know, right? Not yeah, that that's a bad thing. Obviously, not. Yeah. It's just yeah. What do you? Well, we figured it
3: out. Yeah, we figured it out. <laughs> uh, that's why um, Hollywood Cinema is at its best now. <laughs> <laughs> because we figured it out for them. Uh, the... Um, uh, one thing I was going to just... In in uh, overall um, uh, thoughts about the movie. Um, the... Um, you know, just you know, what we were saying earlier about the... Um, uh, um, this movie is kind of gets unfairly. Oh, the seventies movies—that was a great time, and then Jaws came along, and then everybody started making shitty popcorn movies. Um, I was uh, we were talking about yesterday, and I was saying like, you don't want to. What well, what you just said is sort of like Jaws didn't know it was going to be a blockbuster movie, and I think it's unfair to blame a movie because it was trying to be as entertaining as possible. That yeah, that's
2: it, not a bad thing.
3: I was thinking the w- way it got mixed up is, uh, you know, universal was like, uh, previously the only movies that would get released all in every theater across the country were bad movies, like exploitation movies. Cause it was like, we get it all out. The word of mouth will be terrible so let's oh, just pump it out. Like
2: so people see it before they hear anything about yeah, it.
3: Let's yeah. Let's put it in theaters and drive-ins, just get people to watch it and then forget about Interesting. it. Interesting. And then Universal was like, maybe we could release a bunch in a bunch of theaters because then a bunch of people would go and see this awesome movie and then tell all their friends and they'd go and see it too. And then that's why after that, I think it it wasn't that like Jaws was escapist blockbuster, and then they, it was, I think, the specific model of we could release a movie in every theater across the country to make money. Oh, now the Tail's Waking the Dog, what kind of movies can only be released in theaters all across the country and everybody will like them? Like Warren Beatty has said mm. before, like, when they started doing that, that meant on Friday night, a joke and a comedy had to be understood by everybody. Wow. You couldn't make a joke that would just make certain audiences laugh. And then that audience goes out and goes, this is a funny movie. And then the squares kind of go, oh, really? Okay, I'll check out Shampoo. Uh Now it's like, uh, I don't know. It's something like... It had to be a one-size-fits-all to a certain extent. Yeah, and what's kind of a bummer about Jaws is it's not... It is one-size-fits-all, but I don't think it's... Like, there's things in it that could... uh, are kind of weird yeah oh
0: <laughs> uh, what oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh
3: that was incredible uh what's that guy up to he should just be inserted <laughs> into movies uh, no. every uh, where it's possible oh uh,
2: what can i just say one thing really quickly i'd like to apologize to 90s movies in a certain extent because I do watch a ton of 90s movies. Mm. I just don't like when they're always asking – certain ones of them are asking me to take things a little more seriously than they deserve to be taken. That's the thing yeah. about 80s movies. They're always kind of like we're all on the same ride here. But I've been watching a lot of shitty 90s movies and I really enjoy them. So,
3: What's, what's a shitty 90s, well, like 90s movie? The like?
2: General's Daughter, <laughs> The Presidio, which I mentioned I think on the last recording.
3: Did because, you uh, – uh have you watched – um? I recently watched this, uh, Disclosure.
2: Which one's that?
3: That's the Michael Crichton, um, the adaptation of his novel, um, The. Hey, I bet there's some times where a woman sexually harasses a man. Oh, that's
2: right. Is this, who's in this? Demi Moore yes. and Michael Douglas. A man and I have watched that trailer like 40 times going, we should watch this. Then we watched the trailer. We're like, I think we've seen everything we need <laughs> to see about that.
3: It adds some like virtual reality. <laughs> Jesus.
2: Yeah. Copycat came up the other day. I want to watch that. And yeah. then I watch- um, Existence, not too long ago Whoa. is that the one which one is the one with ray fines because there's like those eight of those movies there's like free jack existence virtuosity what's johnny the- mnemonic
3: yeah jude law was in one too uh oh was he yeah uh and the- what's the one with um ethan hawk or their clo- gattaca
0: gattaca yeah yeah
3: and then that
0: one's pretty good that's a good 90s movie
3: like these kind of like simulation what were you gonna say
2: I think Gattaca might be a decent bigger 90s movie that's That's kind of doing its own thing if I remember correctly
3: do you remember the movie not entirely related I think this is an Audis movie Um, Simone 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 with Al Pacino Yeah. yeah
2: Talk about a boomer that won't let go.
3: Oh my gosh. Though, you know, the I is a one and the O is a zero. And it's a virtual lady. Yeah. It's like a Truman show thing where Truman is a virtual lady created by Al Pacino. Boy.
2: Yeah. No, I haven't seen that, but. I I have. I've seen
3: Simone. (laughs) How is it? Uh
2: Sinone. <laughs> Do you get one of those every de- decade so it goes like Simone, <sighs> then her, and then uh ex machina? Yes. Is there one before Simone?
3: Maybe AI? Yeah. But that's not entirely that's like a goddess. Her and Simone is like the perfect woman or a woman yeah. love. Uh like
2: beyond the Valley of the Dolls. What am I thinking of? No.
3: Oh, a little like, huh? What about that? That I think is interesting about her. Okay, yeah. so, um, Lost in Translation. Yeah, Sofia Coppola made that. People go, oh, that's a a movie about her relationship marriage to Spike Jones. Uh-huh. Giovanni Ribisi is Spike Jones in that uh-huh. movie, and uh, Scarlett Johansson is uh, uh Sofia Coppola, and then her made by Spike Jones. Joaquin Phoenix is Spike Jones. Right? Uh-huh. Um. Samantha Morton recorded all the audio for her. She was on set doing the female voice of her. Spike Jones was like, "I don't like it," and replaced her, and it was all re-recorded with Scarlett. by Scarlett Johansson. Oh, wow! Like they're both like Whoa. using her, in they're like weird. Oh, wow! Relationship drama movies. Interesting. Um
2: real swinger, Hollywood swingers. Yeah. Club.
3: Jeez. Um do you think Jaws had any onset romances? I know he did. <laughs> Him and Scheider. Scheider would come home and his wife would be like, Why do you have um water and grease <laughs> on your ge- collar? Gear grease on your collar.
2: You smell like WD forty and s- <laughs> and brine.
3: Just
0: say, just say it, just say it. You're dying to say it. <laughs> you love Bruce.
3: Uh, I, I like Scheider. I love Scheider. I love Scheider. And, and I, I love him more and more as, as I kid. get old. Yeah, I do, not either. either. Why is that? Because he looks like your dad. He, he just, does. Yeah. He just specifically
2: does. He yeah. looks like my dad. He
3: does. Are we yeah. brothers? <laughs> oh my God. Are we the Scheiderlings? <laughs> is Scheider the most dad looking actor of Always that? Always has been. He's impossible
2: to, to age, to like pinpoint. Mm. There's something just about that, like flattened hair and mm-hmm. that flattened face, and face. he's always tanned. He's kind of leathery before his time, but it also, when he got older, he looked younger because he didn't change much, <sighs> you know? Yes. And, and you know, died relatively young, both mm-hmm. Shaw and
3: Scheider. Yeah, yeah, it's- Shaw and Scheider. Schotter. Scheider, Schotter. I wish they had gotten together so he could have done a portmanteau of their day. Ooh, shodder. look at, down on the sheen, Schotter after Jaws. Shodder Freud.
2: <laughs> Roy Scheider- he he is in Marathon Man where he plays, he's like Silas or something, and he's so good. as just this kick ass I still haven't
3: seen Marathon oh, Man. Oh, it's I, so good. I, um, I, 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 uh, I, other Scheider roles, I know him from, uh, 2010. Yeah, where he has a
2: dolphin in his living room. That guy can't escape sea creatures.
3: Well, yeah, then Sequest DSV. That's right. With Darwin, the, the dolphin. And Blue Thunder with um, Alex Karras. I don't know. Daniel <laughs> uh, Stern. Daniel Stern, yeah. who's a, uh, a merman, I think. <laughs> so it all checks out. Uh, That's why
2: he only does voiceover for the Wonder Years, because he didn't want you to see <laughs> that he's got fins.
3: I don't know if this is true, but I heard that Roy Scheider did Blue Thunder, so he would be unavailable for Jaws 3. But maybe that's made up. Why
2: was he contractually obligated to?
3: No, that seems made up. I wonder. That's a good one though. Um, the uh, uh, jazz singer. And then,
2: it, oh yeah, I've never seen that. I've been wanting to watch that. I've
3: seen the- Jazz Singer. It's awesome. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Holy cow! You just watch it. And you're like, this was a Hollywood movie. They got it's was, it was just so bonkers. I
2: should say I've seen it, but I saw it when I was a kid. I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't want to just.
3: I don't want to lie on no. This podcast, okay.
0: Full disclosure.
3: Full honest. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Scheider's in um, French Connection. Yeah. And there's... I like to sort of think Jaws is like a sequel to his character, French Connection, because oh. he's a cop from New York. Um. Also, this is the first time, because I read it online, somebody was like, is there a, a suggestion that he's Brody's been shot, and that's why he... Yes. come to Amity Island, right? I
2: don't know, but I do get the feeling because when they're comparing scars, yes! he looks at his own scar yes! and he's like, "It's such. this is such a cool detail where he just was like, I'm not going to talk about it. He doesn't want to enter it into the conversation. It was and so it, cool.
3: It's so cool. And it says something about Brody. Yeah. Like, well, these guys think they're masculine, but they're just kind of like- grab ass at each other showed each other scars and he's like you know what my scars are my business i'm going to keep private about it and brody's such a, a
2: real human man because he's actually incredibly ineffectual if that's the, even the word or just ineffective oh, throughout yeah. the entire movie and then he, d- he pulls off one thing at the end, but he's afraid. He's afraid of water. Yeah. He's constantly being scared by Quint with harpoons and right. tripping and kind of falling. It's almost a comedic role, but played incredibly straight. He He's in over his head in a place that he doesn't know anybody yeah. or anything about it. And he's making the wrong decisions constantly.
3: You're right. Like he's not um, – what a, if somebody had to write a heroic character, they wouldn't have – the first 40 minutes of the movie, him being, I want to do this and somebody going, you can't do that. And it was like, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to figure out what's, what to, what's the right thing to do here.
2: Or if they did, they would play it up and he'd be more bumbling. So you get the turn a little bit more like a Clark Kent style, Yeah, thing, but they just played it straight and you don't even leave realizing that all happened, but you're left feeling it more accurately or believably or something
3: well yeah and it's making me think of that scene where he hears he he's typing on the typewriter hears it's a shark attack and the first thing he does is he goes to the other cop and he says where's the beach clothes signs yeah. he's like oh we don't have i don't know when we've ever used those and it did um i know this comparison was made a lot when we were in covid in quarantine the jaws of it all oh. which is sort of like Oh, yeah. Are the people in power looking out for our public health? Or are they looking more out for the economy? But like um, that scene hit me different. Yeah, me too. After COVID, yeah. where he was like, "Oh, there's a sh- it's been a shark attack. Ooh, we got to close the beach." And then somebody being like, "We're going to close the beach." Like, yeah, he was doing the most logical human reaction yeah. thing. There's a shark in the water. Well, we got to close the beach. And then somebody would be like.
1: Eh, let's put those brakes a bit. <laughs> like-
2: Even in that town meeting, when he says we are going to close the the beach, and then the mayor goes for for twenty four hours, and that was like just like the administration kind of like undercutting each other with information that they're making up on the spot.
3: Yeah, or here in California, yeah. how we couldn't ever get like a a, a clear. Wait, we can go? No, we can't. Yeah. Who gets to? Why is that still open? Yeah. Why is a bar and a bowling alley open, but not a school? Yeah. <laughs> because um, that's
2: where you really learn is the bar and the bowling alley.
3: The bar and the bowling alley. That's our new <laughs> socio-cultural uh, analysis book. Uh, yeah, the um, and then what was the other thing that I saw? And I was just like, oh, that is so crazy. I guess all the talk about like... Well, winter time comes around. Is are people going to have enough food stamps because uh, we had to close everything down because of this shark phantom? We're all worried about like yeah, and and that people could win arguments on economic factors. Like Quint yeah. could go, "You're going to have to pay me ten thousand dollars," but isn't that better than having to lose a bunch of money? Right. And something that I thought was like kind of interesting when I wanted. I know that the '70s wasn't necessarily like a there's recessions, and people, it's not like people were feeling economically uh, super confident yeah. in past times. But it, it, there is a funny irony when you're watching this movie and people are so economically focused. and You're like, this movie made so much money for so many people. <laughs> like, I was partly thinking during the city meeting where they're like, well, I can't close down my hotel. I can't do that. I wanted to be like, no, don't worry. Jaws will make a bunch of money. <laughs> You'll get paid back.
2: Just <laughs> you Meaning like the movie will be such a hit yes. that so many people will flock to the island. It's so true.
3: Oh my yeah, God, don't just worry. hold out.
2: You will be, lady, you will be as tan as you are. Oh, my God, you're tan.
3: This movie has like two dozen uh, uh, line readings that are so... Perfect and they yeah. almost like fit like music. Yeah. But one of my favorites is her going. I don't think that's funny. I'm so I just don't think that's oh, funny. I know. I it's know it's so good. Ugh. Yeah. And then also, um uh uh my other favorite line delivery is like no distress signal was sent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Can I ask a question about Quint? I know we're jumping around and we'll go through yeah. this, but well, when this he, is also a House of Pain podcast. That's why we like to jump around. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when he leaves that town meeting, there seems to be a little man in an orange hat that follows him as if that's his first mate, but then you never see that guy again.
3: I just read last night there's a deleted scene where that guy, when they're packing up the boat, he tells Quint, I can't come with oh. you. And Quint starts chewing him out. So there was, he must have been like a little matey Whoa. of his. Oh, yeah. Wow. But I wonder why that guy was like, I can't come on the boat. And does no, that mean – He's too afraid maybe. Yeah. He's like, um, he's like, look, um, you guys are on top of the call sheet. I'm like, I haven't had a single line yet. It's going to be weird if I'm out on that boat with you guys. And Quid's like, no, come on. There's no small actors. <laughs> and besides, once this
2: movie comes out, you're going to be famous. People come <laughs> to the island to see you.
3: Oh. Uh yeah, I bet that guy's a little heartbroken that his part was must cut. Must have been. Yeah, yeah.
2: It must have been. And so many, I bet you there's a bunch of people that were, you know, in scenes that didn't get used.
3: Well, have you heard this um theory that was put out by Stephen King's son, Joe Hill? No. That there might be a a cameo in there of um a missing person? What? A, a this woman is up there with but-
2: munchkin legs. <laughs> And three <laughs> men and a baby and a little ghost, cardboard ghost, right?
3: In terms of macabre Easter eggs, yeah. Uh, 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 the uh, Lady of the Dunes, who in 1974 was um, a body was discovered within 100 miles of Martha's Vineyard, where this was shot, and like in the ocean, uh, uh, laid out um, next to the ocean, um, some some dunes by the by the ocean. Oh. And um, she was found with her hands cut off, so they couldn't identify who she was. Some people think it was a, a paramour of a uh, whitey bulger, who Whoa. was killing people a lot yeah. in that time, in that uh, area. But there's- Great but, whitey bulger. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, oh, I loved it. <laughs> and also, it made me think of, what if Jaws, a great white, had a bulge? <laughs> Because it's are the female sharks the one that have claspers? The face you're making. Now I'm truly
2: sorry. Please don't write me a Yelp review of this. (laughs) My performance on this podcast, Paul. (laughs) Listeners, you're free. But claspers, right? Or like when sharks mate, I think it's the females have these like two lateral like bone protrusion. Flesh covered bone protrusions that latch onto the male. Really, and that's how they make like they they hooks onto them almost like a refueling thing would hook onto like a plane. Is that right? Well, uh,
3: you know, I think what's Jaws is is so rich in that it can be kind of any. There's a lot of metaphors you can attach to it,
2: and shark claspers. And shark
3: claspers is what. But I do. Don't you think there's like a A vaginal?
2: It's a male. The male sharks have claspers. Claspers. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. It's like a predator jaw for your junk.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's the slogan? That was good. Now you can write a review. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, Like, I think um, sometimes Jaws is like a big, it's like a vagina. Yeah. Like Quint, at the end, I see him just like this. Symbol of virile masculinity, like a, Jaws is female and just a big vagina dentata. Like opens Is Jaws up.
2: female? So where do you, did you find that out in the movie? Or do you mean in the metaphor? Uh,
3: or, but I think in the sequel, is it revealed that- I
2: thought so too, but I didn't hear it in this movie. So I was wondering if I had that wrong. Because I know they called the shark Bruce in filming, but-
3: Right. And if even, I don't think they call the shark a she, but even if they did, that could be just singular talk. She's uh, yeah, coming around. Yeah. 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 She's
2: um, a brick and I'm drowning. <laughs> That's a song about a shark.
3: Yeah. <laughs> ben Votai wrote that song, Shark. <laughs> <laughs> 6 a.m. Day after 4th of July. <laughs> um, the, uh,
2: Throw some clothes onto the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Smell of smoke. By the way, she is sitting by a trash can that is has no fire and is a, just pouring smoke out of it. It was the
3: like, 70s. They loved CFCs. She's <laughs> <laughs> like get me close to that as possible. Uh I have the uh uh oh but the um another like m- m- metaphor uh well not certainly a metaphor but I think what's partly really scary about jaws and why it works is the I'm in it, but I can't see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. imagine how scarier Halloween would be if, like, you were in a pool and Michael Myers <laughs> is swimming around you. You can't even see where he's at.
2: Or just, you know, he's under the floorboards. Yes. And occasionally, a little tuft of that red Michael Myers mask hair would come up <laughs> through the cracks. I'd just, like go laterally across. The like,
3: floor. do I smell dog breath? <laughs> Somebody been eating dog?
2: Or just the kitchen knife comes up as a sharp <laughs> ding, ding, ding. but it would be the Jaws theme in, in five four. Nee 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 nee
3: nee 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 just as a um you know a metaphor a little bit for the scariest thing is the unknown. The scariest yeah, thing yeah. is the thing you your mind uh hey in life, brother, I don't know what's gonna happen next month, and it kind of freaks me out a little I bit, get it,
2: man, that's an existential dread, yeah, personified and, by a lady shark
3: by a lady's shark yeah and uh, but the 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 reading that I most love was from a uh the British film Institute does these like little slim books where they'll give a the letter writer it's kind of like those thirty three and a third books about records, oh, about yeah, albums. oh yeah, um, <laughs> when
2: you said slim. I didn't picture like the spine being slim but that the front was just like half an inch <laughs> but it like still the t- the tallness of a book so you just it was basically one word it, columns and you just have to like get your little tweezers out and anyway <laughs> I would like me to stop talking no, go, no, no. go ahead please it's like, go it's like
3: it's like the um, like a shrunk down zaggots is what you were kind of imagining like a yeah big, yeah. yeah uh <laughs> it was like uh oh slim let the the british uh oh the bfi book yeah. i read the one on jaws um uh i'll look up the the writer's name she uh it's a breaking <laughs> god i
2: just it's my second podcast of the day and you don't deserve this you don't deserve we, this
3: no, as in we don't deserve the glory <laughs> like what can we do in life to make sure we do deserve this um uh, but uh the writer wrote Um, And I think it's so right on, and it's how I love to view Jaws, why it's scary. That what it's about, it's about our fear of not working and allowing ourselves to experience leisure. (sighs) That like deep down in the back of our mind is like, if I stop working and I just take a moment to enjoy myself, I'm going to get punished for it. There's have, reasons you don't do things to make yourself feel good. I
2: have that. And what's worse is I work extra hard to earn my right to relax, which I still often can't do. Sometimes I can, and it's glorious.
3: I think you're really good at it. As I was explaining oh. that, I thought, oh, Gorley's done a really good job of the like work, pleasure, life balance. I have
2: I got you fooled? <laughs> it just I have to set myself up for it. Like, it, it's a weird conscious effort. Or someone else has to be involved. Like, if Amanda mm-hmm. will do leisure time with me, I'm able to do it. But, like, sometimes I can't. And I-,
3: I think that's part of a great partner, right? Is oh, the yeah. idea of, like, allowed um, leisure.
2: Yeah. So, wait, let me get into this. So, then Jaws, because this horror is happening in a destination of leisure and relaxation and something you work to attain. Yeah. The fear of it being worse than the regular life you live. Yeah. Is their true horror. That's so great. Yeah. And I guess there's
3: also, because there's also stuff about him being like, I was in the city and you could get mugged or you get killed. And so there's sort of thing of like, ooh, what if... The city is actually a safer place. Yeah. And when you go out into nature, nature doesn't like you. The sharks are like, yeah, get out of here, man. This is our area. Yeah. But like, for me, it's more about, yeah, like, there's a reason it's not about a group of people out on a barge getting attacked by a shark. It is right. about like a bunch of ugly, gross <laughs> people and ugly, gross bathing suits and bodies just like falling all over each other and going out and getting eaten. Like I do kind of like the idea that it's like, you stupid assholes, what are you doing? You deserve to get eaten by a shark. that's
2: what's so brilliant is is Spielberg does put that kind of gluttonous American consumerism at the forefront of this. So it's not like you're sympathetic about the girl in the beginning. You're sympathetic about the guy in the boat and then the kid especially, Mm -hmm. which I completely forgotten about. And even when he was eaten, I was like, what? I can't remember this, and am I conflating a scene from Jaws Two where Roy Scheider shoots at something and it's not a shark, and everybody's like, "You idiot!" Oh, I don't remember. I must be. We'll find out next week. But yeah, that wasn't in this movie, and I kept expecting the kid's death to be a ruse, and it's fucking the oh. shark just ate up a kid.
3: That scene is really crazy because I I think I took like watched it a lot as a kid, then took a sort of a ten year period where I didn't watch Jaws now I've probably watched it like once a year since college, right? Uh-huh. And uh, in college, I think was the first time I was like, I'm going to rewatch Jaws. And I watched it. And when that first geyser of blood shoots up from that kid, oh, yeah. I thought this is fake. Yeah, I did too. It wouldn't go this far. This is yeah. really
2: extreme. Yeah. Uh,
3: and there's uh, probably three Scenes in this movie where it's like that is too far. That I know. are not. I don't have a moral. Like I'm not puritanical. I'm just saying. You like, just shocked.
2: It truly shocks you. I mean, yeah. Like, am I watching season seven of Bosch here or what?
3: <laughs> What's been the most shocking <laughs> part of season seven of Bosch for you?
2: Well, I guess a child death.
3: Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I think that's just like, and that's no the spoiler. lowest it's form like, of drama. It really is it's such a, and
2: yet in this cheap, film they. He pulls it off, I guess.
3: Oh, I mean uh Steven Spielberg I don't think has much shame about like using a child being yeah. endangered as a way to get you to get emotionally involved. I mean like the first thing you see with the kid is like a kid coming up and his hands all bloody, yeah, right? That's like right. He, which yeah. seems to be like some sort of foreboding I mean, like, of he's getting, kid, like, short yeah. round gets whipped. Yes, he does. Yeah. I mean, Jurassic Park, those kiddos. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I think three fourths of. Can I just say I love Jurassic Park?
2: I love it too. It's and I the love best. the characterizations,
3: most yeah. of all. They're so uh, multi dimensional. If
2: ever I had, you know, bad talked it, uh, I'm done with that. I'm through and <laughs> you don't worry about it. It's not, not going to be an issue.
3: I think three fourths, maybe now up to this point, only half. Of all Spielberg movies, are about a parent and child split and mm. trying to get a parent and a child back together somehow. Oh, yeah, um, really, it's harder to name ones that don't have that.
2: Yeah, so like even like Temple of Doom, because Indy's like a father figure, and they yeah. get split up. Yeah, yeah, interesting.
3: I always doesn't. I think that's all grown ups. That's another Dreyfus joint. But up, it's like it? Close Encounters, Aliens, kidnap my boy, got to get my boy. Uh, Temple of Doom, this village, yeah. all of our kids get kidnapped. Empire of the Sun, boy gets separated from his parents, trying to get back to his parents. Wow. AI. That's same, like yeah. Uh, minority report. The pain he has is I've lost my son.
2: I was just going to say I didn't see one in minority report, but goddamn, there it is.
3: Yeah. I mean, and then there's a scene where like a kid is, one of the uh, Brody boys is like legit crying on the beach. Yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. like, they're shooting this. I know. They're letting us I know. keep cry for entertainment. And for all we know, that shark that they
2: catch and string up on the dock is Jaws' son. <laughs> yeah. And they're Jawsson. just trying to get by Jaws. <laughs> Listen, I gotta take a pee break and if, if you know uh if you're new to this podcast, we, we name these and yes. uh so what do we got here?
3: Yeah, we name these they're they're sort of plays on words with uh, the they're, title.
2: They're puns. We they're can puns. call them that. It's yeah. we have no shame. Um Jaws is tough. Amity, Amity Amity, a- e- P am I gonna pee? Oh. Am I gonna pee island? Am I
3: gonna pee island? Yes. Yes, I am. I am. We'll
1: okay. be right back. <laughs> with Molly and Ryan.
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com
1: slash host.
3: With Well, we're back. Ba 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 back. <laughs> you know Jaws' catchphrase, <laughs> George Thorogood,
2: "Back to the Bone."
3: Well, uh, I know that song from Christine, directed oh, yeah. by John Carpenter. Which, lets us get into this. Yeah, uh, I know I brought it up in a uh, uh, an episode previously, but I'll previously po- on with Gorley previously and Rust. on with Gorley and Rust. So you really think you can get those uh, doubloons here in time to save the library? <laughs> that was a plot point from last week, but uh, I'm sorry, that was the worst. <laughs> I wish I never write a drama. <laughs> doubloons?
0: No, I gotta see this movie. <laughs> uh,
3: uh, <sighs> do you, I posed this question before? But I'll pose it again here. I
2: hope I answer correctly.
3: If uh, there was no Jaws, Jaws hadn't been made. Would there be POV killer shots in Halloween? Whoa. Would Halloween even really be Halloween? I think John Carpenter liked this idea of the shark who has no motivation other than to destroy. As like, he used that as Michael Myers' jaws. I think... You're right. I
2: don't think there would be. I think there's precedence for killer POV before because even in Psycho, they come into the shower, but it's not, it's not featured like it is in Jaws, and then especially yeah. in Halloween. I think you're right. I don't yeah. think it
3: would have been. Yeah. Wow. Um. I mm. mean, I, I bet there's probably yeah. You're right. Killer POV shots, but the like sort of a uh, floaty, yeah, yeah. Because uh,
2: that's weird. Because the. The panaglide thing wasn't really around for jaws, but because it's underwater, you're getting that naturally. It's a handheld camera, but everything's stabilized and fluid through water. That's so right. It's getting fluid
3: and gliding. Like natural, that's yeah. What you do through water. <laughs> natural
2: panaglide. God's steadicam. <laughs>
3: And uh, were Donald Pleasance and Robert Shaw and anything together? They just feel like they're cut from the same. Oh, they have to be masculine um, British actor. I cloth. know
2: they're both in. Oh, bonds, both Bonds, Bonds, but separate Bond yeah. movies. Um, no, Great Escape. Pleasance isn't that Shaw's. Is he in, in Force Ten? Uh, no, no. But it's it's crazy how many people are from the Bond <laughs> universe are in Force Ten from Navarone. Um, is there nothing that? There must be. I mean, he's done so many little movies that he, there may be some crossover, but yeah. who knows. Um,
3: but... Uh,
2: Wait, yeah, because look at the other parallels. Like, Quint is that kind yes. of mentored Dr. Loomis thing. He's
3: not quite... You trust him and you believe that he has the capabilities of doing it, but he's a little off.
2: Yeah, he's a little scary. Yeah. yeah.
3: Oh, wow. And then... Um,
2: and then Bruce the Shark was made out of a William Shatner body sculpt.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, there you could make an argument that that opening scene is like a scene from a slasher movie, because you oh, see yeah. a bunch of teenagers smoking dope, drinking beer. They go off the skinny dip. No kidding. And then they get punished for it. I, I think something that's like a little... I thought it was a little different about it was... um. The girl at the beginning is more of kind of like a final girl. Yeah. Like when she runs away from that boy, I think it's partly like, uh, don't really like this guy. Don't really want to talk to him. I'm just going to run away if he follows me.
2: But also doesn't want to be with that crowd because she's sitting yeah. off to the side. She yeah. seems like um, an outsider. She's, she's uh, a Wallflower. Yeah, kind of, wallflower. Yeah. yeah.
3: And she's excited now to be able to get away but i also thought like there's some kind of like interesting like parallel of like if she's like oh, this drunk stone dude's coming over he's gonna hit on me i gotta get away from this predator <laughs> and like runs right into <laughs> the know. mouth of another predator oh there's some God. kind of like sad <laughs> it really is Jeez. um i also really like in that scene um have you ever, i've seen i don't even know if you can see the whole thing um maybe you can. But I've seen scenes from Amblin, Spielberg's like short that he made that oh, was yeah? kind of his he shopped it around to to get work out here in Hollywood and stuff. Um but it's kind of like a hippie movie about two hippies and it's a lot of like sun shining through silhouettes mm. of people and and um it's interesting to me because when I watch it I I uh, and even this opening scene I go I know this isn't Spielberg's scene. He's not. He's probably more like that girl who's like sitting outside and watching people party. Um, There's a really great, Roger Ebert reviewed Raiders of the Lost Ark and he he writes this really great thing that's like, you can kind of, if you want to, you can read this movie as like, Steven Spielberg is enjoying a movie where a bunch of Nazis get fucking their asses handed to them. And when I watch this scene, I partly think, Spielberg likes these party, these these uh, call it like these party kids that he probably never got to run with. Who cares if they get eaten by a shark? I don't give a shit. Yeah, a little bit of revenge. <laughs> yeah, Jaws the revenge. This time it's re- personal. was the original incel (laughs) (laughs) he's he's upset that uh he wasn't invited to that party that bonfire
2: incels there's some incels in bosch season seven
3: (laughs) (laughs) are they but they're they're bad guys right they're not cops. oh (laughs) yeah what a twist huh officer incel (laughs) um did uh just i'm out of curiosity have you ever skinny dipped Maybe I've asked this question before. Yeah,
2: I have. And as a matter of fact, of course, this was in college. Uh, There was this kind of group, and we went down to the beach, and we skinny dipped. And I don't know if it was because we were naked, but all these dolphins swam up to us, and it was at night, and it was crazy. It was scary and magical at the same time. I was going
3: to say, it sounds scary and magical. Yeah. Um, uh, You know um, Mike Mitchell? Yeah. Uh, um I previously mentioned, uh, a very, very, very funny uh uh actor and friend. He uh w- he went swimming once with his family in the ocean, and uh and some dolphins came up and one of the dolphins started friendly with Mitch and was like pulling him down underwater to have sex with him. Uh, you've
2: you've heard those stories yeah. before, but how is he pulling him down?
3: Uh I think he's
2: like I'm just assuming this was a male doll. <laughs> this sounds like a male doll. <laughs> With <off>. his
3: clampers? <laughs> what <are> the- Claspers. <laughs> Claspers. Ugh. Uh, uh, Mitch was saying like nobody, he was like 12 or something. It's really funny. Nobody wanted to say what was happening. So like, maybe that's not funny. Uh, but it was like, the instructors are going like, oh my- I think they like his trunks because they're a uh, fluorescent colored. They like fluorescent colors. Oh, my God. They're wanting to play with him. Anyway, so, like, Mitch was just like, well, nobody's bringing this up. Nobody's talking about it. And he survived. He he got out of it. And he said years later, the family's all sitting around. And somehow it gets brought up. Oh, we went on that trip. And then... His dad was like, remember when that dolphin was trying to have sex with you? <laughs> <laughs> it all
0: stayed with him. He thought it had been left behind. Oh, my God. It's
3: like, oh, you guys did know what was happening. That's crazy. <laughs> Nobody said anything. Jesus, what a story. Oh,
2: my God. And then I think, like, that could have happened to one of the people I, in my group, and maybe they just didn't say anything. I know it didn't happen to me. That's uh, a,
3: what I first thought of. I was like, you guys were skinny dipping. It yeah. seemed like you were maybe uh attracting the the dolphins to you
2: who knows wow
3: um now should we just jump in beat by beat beat by beat um so let's do a little uh logo loco logo loco uh, now we've seen this universal logo before i think we've had a uh, this 70s, 80s, just yeah, recently in American Werewolf.
2: classic Universal. And speaking of skinny dipping, just the sounds of the sea play over this.
3: I thought that was very cool and very modern oh. to have the sound of the movie over the studio logo instead of, bum, 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 yeah. bum,
2: bum, the Candyman man can. <laughs>
3: Yes, the candy man can all the time.
2: <laughs> and the lollipop
3: guild. <laughs> oh, yeah, you said, right, right, right. You can, if you want to, yeah. you can choose to sing that in your head with the universe. Either thing. one,
2: yeah. Your <laughs> pick. Um, this is my version of syncing the four Weezer albums to Temple of Doom.
3: Is the. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of like weird. Pew, pew, yeah. Pew, it's pew. like
2: sonar or something. Or yeah. Like like uh squelched electronic signals through water or something.
3: Yeah, yeah. Which is also interesting like it's um I mean John Williams is a great uh composer. Yeah,
2: let's talk about this cuz that's the first thing you get is that this logo goes right into the classic theme.
3: Yeah. Um yeah, it's kind of cool. Like Boogie Nights has that cool thing where it's like black for a bit. And you just kind of hear music before the first credit comes up. And the Jaws does the same thing, mm. too. It's like Universal logo, and then it's black for a while, and you're just hearing music, and then that um, Zanuck Brown mm. card comes up. But yeah, the the John Williams theme, huh? Oh,
2: just so simple. I know there's been some speculation that he took it from a piece of classical music or oh, something. Oh, really? Have you ever heard that? I hadn't
3: heard that. Yeah. From the, the opera Bruce the Shark. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Bruce, don't bring me down. Bruce! <laughs>
3: Dude. Was that – did uh, ELO write that song when hearing about um, that maybe the, Bruce the Shark was bringing down? I, I thought Spielberg. that
2: at one point because it is so specific and of a certain time. Yeah. You know, like it's just a song from Spielberg's pr- perspective. Of,
0: <laughs> Bruce, don't bring me down. Bruce.
3: Oh, if people want um, a little video treat to look online, have you ever watched the um, – uh, And if it's not clear already – by this podcast, I've just been gushing about Spielberg. I love the man so much. I love his same, movies so much. Same. They have brought me so much joy, so much happiness in life. Um, so this video, if you watch it, it's not like um as a Spielberg fan, I feel conflicted sharing it, but when he watches the Oscar nominations for Jaws, have you seen this video? Oh, no. He brought a news crew over because he was, he thought oh, he was going to get nominated for this. best director yeah. and he doesn't get it. And mm-hmm. on camera, he goes, he's covering, he's got his hands up against his cheeks and he goes, I didn't get it. Mm. Oh, I didn't get it. He's so clearly oh. like crushed. Uh, Some of you want to watch that (laughs) Poor
2: guy I I feel almost worse that he brought cameras over And friends Like
3: that guy from um, uh, Godfather Who's uh, in Maniac and stuff Who's that guy Uh,
2: Who's he in Godfather
3: He's the um, He's one of the guys who hangs out With one of the members who you're like He seems to be more For that guy than the Corleones He's like um, Al Neri um, Rocco,
2: Luca Brazzi? Uh.
3: Yes. Um. Hold on. Uh, the actor's name is Joe Spinell, and Joe Spinell in the Godfather played. Let's see. Um, I, you're the big, uh, bigger Godfather guy than I am. Really. I am a
2: big Godfather guy. Um, why can't I place who that is? He was, um. Oh my gosh. And the first godfather?
3: Yeah. Polly? Um just is exciting um entertainment for people, right?
2: Yeah. But they're all trying to think the same thing. Who is he? And some are screaming and uh, some are still mad about Jurassic Park.
3: Okay. Willy Chichi. Oh, Willie
2: Chichi. Willie
3: okay, Chichi. Okay, yeah.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah,
3: that guy. Willie Chichi, yeah. He's there um at the Oscar nomination, the in Spielberg's apartment watching uh. the announcements, and he's wearing a tuxedo shirt. Him and another guy are worried. Oh life.
0: no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then he's in part two. Like a good syncoph. He is there to uh uh pick up Spielberg's uh feelings and also to the camera goes like now, who directed this movie? Somebody's murder? <laughs> who directed this movie? The Shark? Which <laughs> is pretty funny. Did
0: Spielberg ever put him in any films?
3: No. I mean, I he was probably angling for that. that when he's defending like him. Jesus. <laughs> so, 1941. Who do you got cast as? It,
2: here it is. It's me and a little cute alien. He's kind of weird looking, but a little cute. And this is candy sponsorship too. But I, I'm in a red hoodie. I, I'm, I don't know, 12, 13.
3: Just, just sleep on it. When Spielberg had to break to him, he's like, I love that idea about the alien. But I think people like it more if he visits a young boy and not a 45-year-old man.
2: <laughs> I, beg to, I beg to differ. My mom would not agree.
3: To her, I am a, always a young boy do you have a favorite Williams score as oh, long as we're talking oh, Willie Johnny oh, wills
2: well I love jaws but jaws is 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 a specific thriller scary sparse kind of thing so I don't I don't think of jaws that much except yeah. for its iconicness or, but if you're putting Star Wars Superman and Indiana Jones <sighs> up there I don't know how I would pick. And I would put even like the that's indie tough. theme over the Star Wars theme, but then all these other secondary Star Wars themes, like the Imperial March Ugh. and Leia's theme. Uh, <laughs> now that's Williams' song. Okay. okay. Yeah, however the uh, Ewok song is. And I,
3: I think one of the most beautiful things that came out of episode one was people being movie shit, but that Duel of the oh, Fates yeah, the score, Dorm man. Fates, it made yeah. me so happy that John Williams was still like – Firing on I all know. cylinders at that point.
2: Even the love theme in attack of the clones mm-hmm. is pretty good. Yeah. Oof, but Superman too. Good lord. We talked about it just on that last commentary that
3: Oh yeah. Bum, 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 bum,
2: bum, bum, bum. Bum, oh man.
3: Now he's um I guess I guess pretty
2: Oh, Pri- go ahead. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull there's no discernible
3: theme in that movie. It's crazy. Does he even have, I mean, the March comes up probably once or twice, right? Well,
2: definitely. But you know how temple of doom really has its own little theme and last crusade does kingdom of skull. It's like nothing. I could tell you what it is.
3: Is he kind of doing that with force awakens last Jedi? And he did
2: Ray's theme is pretty good in force awakens. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. And then Kylo Ren has his theme, which is very similar to Cape fear.
3: Oh, the like, Yeah, Ah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, I think uh, he's pretty long in the tooth. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next decade we don't have John Williams (laughs) with us anymore. Um, So, I was thinking about it last night. I was like, is this the time that you can still, if you want to, talk shit about John Williams? You better get it out. Like... You don't talk shit about somebody after they die, or is it okay to talk shit about somebody who died? Because
2: No, not immediately after they
3: die. So I gotta get it in now. You gotta get it in now. Um
1: this I don't is, even know if I have anything this of bad to will s- kill him. I
3: don't have anything bad to say. Okay. It was more just like a thought of um Do I have anything? No, I can't think of anything bad. Were you
0: do you want to say something bad about him? I've never met maybe anybody I just, that does.
3: I, I feel like a feeling of just needing to like... I love Jerry um, Goldsmith so much yeah. as a composer. I think there's a little bit of like... Well, let's not forget about Jerry Goldsmith here.
2: I'm the same way with about John Barry. Mm. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. The man and, is incredible. And not just the James Bond stuff.
3: But you know why we feel this way? I think it's partly... We don't know if John Williams would be where he needed... A John Barry, yeah. he needed a Jerry Goldsmith. I think yeah. they kind of like painted the way of like having those um pop opera, yeah, <laughs> like uh, sort of uh, uh, themes. Yeah, but he's uh, he's all right. <laughs> what are you gonna say? Sorry,
2: I mean, if you maybe the little black turtlenecks and pointy beard.
3: It's just been around too long. But you, this
2: is us trying. This is us
3: trying, and I don't even want to.
2: We really yeah. went hard against John Williams and Jurassic Park. What do you think about the Jurassic Park score? Maybe we could just consolidate it all into one.
3: Oh, I remember sitting in the theater, watching Jurassic Park. This is... a compliment, Uh, think, oh God, I bet John Williams just hanging on uh, 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 Tinder hooks waiting for my compliment. He is a Patreon subscriber. (laughs) Uh, I remember sitting in the theater watching Jurassic Park and thinking, and hearing that score and thinking, oh, this is the first time I'm getting to hear a score oh, and recognize yeah. it's a classic as I'm sitting in the yeah, theater. Yeah, because
2: his all his classics f- feel like you've heard them before at yeah. like the first time, like you've heard them before.
3: In retrospect, I realized I did have that with uh, Batman when I saw Batman mm. in the theater and I heard the Danny Elfman Batman theme. Yeah. I was experiencing that moment. I just couldn't appreciate it. Outside. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Jurassic yeah. Park, it's like, ooh, this is this is cool. Yeah. I
2: I don't know how to pick between indie Star Wars and Superman. Those are, to me... The pinnacle of even film score, and then they're all from one man. They're also attached to such iconic, yeah, uh, just American stories. It's amazing. well, the Star
3: Wars one is really great because, um, that is like twenty percent of that movie is the power. Is that at least score? Yeah.
2: yeah, you can see it really in the prequels. <laughs> how much? Yeah. He's pulling everything else along. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he is doing the new indie movie, I think. Oh, he
3: is? Yeah, I think so. We didn't talk about old HF hurting his shoulder. I know. Yeah. Harry Potter.
2: <laughs> Harry Fodder. He did do the score <laughs> to Harry Potter. I couldn't tell you the Harry Potter theme, though. Do you know it?
3: Um...
1: Is that right. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> boom 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 boom.
3: Harry F. Harry P. <laughs> I did see John Williams perform at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, I did too. And when I got there it became clear it was like it was like a night of celebrating Harry Button. Oh no. With some additional John no, Williams. Cars. Oh no. It was a little bit of a disappointment. I went pre Harry Potter,
2: so, but I do remember there being like memoirs of a geisha or something in there. Did he do that? I think <laughs> so, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, and that is not something that like you remember to this day.
3: Well, yeah. with E.T., you know, I'm a big, I love E.T. Did yeah. they do the thing where he played the E.T. theme and then the shrine uh, arches turned to a rainbow? Boy, I don't know. Like when the uh, send-off remember. of the E.T. Oh, e. yeah. game happened, it was like, the.
2: <laughs> Do you think that shooting star in Jaws is E.T. arriving <laughs> or leaving or coming or going? Or
3: <laughs> or doing kind of like a, um, a reconnaissance. Yeah. Like they're just going by to see, like, can we yeah. come back here for some plants?
2: I've never noticed that before. I didn't even know about that.
3: Um, I've noticed it before and I don't like it. It's in the broad daylight, right? Uh. I, or it's it's um dawn or dusk it's kind of a weird time period that i wanted to ask you about i have a similar question they go from that scene singing showing scars to then Jaws starts pounding into the yeah the boat and then there is a cut where it gets brighter and i was like are they saying that that was happening at dawn and these guys just spent a Coked up seventies night together on this boat could be. Now they're going in this next day with no sleep, or did they yeah. wake up early dawn and start showing their scars, which doesn't seem right. It seems <laughs> like they had a all nighter.
2: I don't know. In in a similar vein, is the campfire at the beginning dusk, or they've been up all night?
3: Yeah, like when that sun yeah is on on the beach. I just found out, and I could be wrong about this, but in the last year I found out, I think that opening scene when she's in the water is day for night, which is mind blowing. Yeah, that's I why think that it is too. They circle in the sky is like the sun. So it. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, well, probably is. That's what Early Man also said. That circle in the sky <laughs> is the sun. Uh, I have named it. I think. I, I Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the behind-the-scenes time period was, and I don't know what the on-camera in that opening time, scene. Time is yeah, supposed to be. I yeah, I can't
2: tell. It seems pitch black when they're at the camp scene, but then they cut to her, and it's kind of dusk or dawn. It's hard to tell.
3: God, I, I can't imagine how hard it would be to light a beach at night. I know, <laughs> like, uh, or to
2: bite a leech. <laughs>
3: Right. I mean, talk to Jaws about that. I'm pretty <laughs> bit a few leeches in his day.
2: The sooner you're rid of me, the better.
3: <laughs> no. Yeah. That will um, Oh, no, I'm going to die before you. I was going to say if you die before. Me, Not that, if I have anything me. to say about it. Um, The um uh, I like the three actors contractual card. The, oh, the, yes. Uh,
2: I noticed that, too. I've never seen one quite like that. Like you often get diagonal, but two on the same plane and then one in the middle
3: above. Because what was it? Scheider above in the middle. Is
2: is it not Shaw above?
3: Yeah. So it's Scheider on the left, Shaw in the middle and above, and Dreyfus on the right.
2: Scheider to the left, Dreyfus to the right, Shaw.
3: Stand up, sit down, Dreyfus,
2: Dreyfus. Bite, bite, bite. bite, bite. (laughs)
3: Charlie, stop it already. You're making me laugh. It's
2: worthless. It's
3: worthless. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because the first time I knew of those was the, uh, and they call it to this day in contracts, the Laverne and Shirley credit. Really? When when Gillian and I did Love, they were like, so you guys will have the Laverne and Shirley credit. I was like, that's what they call it? (sighs) Where it's like the lower, on the left, it's on the bottom, and on the right, it's up top.
2: Because you read left to right, so you'll see that first, but appreciate something higher with the same value, with which the speed was that you got <laughs> yes. to the left
3: hand side. So, who was on the left? Uh, in um, uh, Laverne and Shirley, yeah, um, I think Sidney Williams. Okay, and then Penny Marshall is top right. Wow. Um, and Would then- you
2: rather? Where were you in with love? Were you left or top right?
3: Oh, well, Gillian's a much bigger star than me. So she was on the left.
2: But I thought that this whole thing was to make it, it equal. Otherwise, it would just be Gillian Jacobs first, then you come after that.
3: Yeah, but I, I, but I think within that- still a rank that, the, within that? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. I mean, I was, um, as far as I was concerned, only Gillian's name could exist, and yeah. my name didn't even have to be on there. Uh, it was just- Lawyers and yeah, you know, people doing sure. stuff, but um, uh, yeah. The first time I saw it, I think or knew about it was with the Towering Inferno, like oh. the Steve McQueen Paul Newman thing. But I think they had to <sighs> design it for that movie, so it's weird that they don't call it like the Towering Inferno credit yeah. source.
2: And when was that movie? Because what did they do with the sting? I guess Newman would have been over Redford in those days,
3: or a Butch Cassidy, right? Yeah. Huh. Um,
2: what, how do Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen do it?
3: How do the two
2: Sarkozys do it? Oh my god, they're still here
3: <laughs> Guys, did you go home? You pulled a Jaws-like all-nighter? <laughs>
2: this is the two Sarkozy half-brothers Cozy Powell and Carker Cozy, the actress And if you don't know what we're talking about You have to be a Patreon subscriber <laughs> And if that doesn't get you there <laughs>
3: You'll never go. <laughs> also, for people who are joining us, uh, our producer, yeah. uh Will Smith. That's is right. Here. Will yeah. Smith
2: is present for every recording. He's and
3: watching. Will, um, famously, infamously, uh hasn't ever seen Jaws. So this yes. has just been interesting for him. Yeah.
2: He's too afraid.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, he's not scared of sharks or water. He's scared of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird. Yeah. It's kind of, like he's doing one of those face your fears things. every yeah. day.
2: <laughs> his career is pure immersion therapy. He doesn't <laughs> even want to be an actor. The guy's an actuary. And his, this whole thing is just a case in therapy. It's crazy. He's almost there. That's why you see less Will Smith movies.
3: The uh, <laughs> other credit that I thought was cool was, um, Verna Field, the editor, mm. um, Verna Field, uh, Famous editor, and I think people give her a big line share of the credit of Jaws' success. Oh, that
2: makes sense. like Marsha Lucas to Star
3: Wars. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there's a great grand history of female editors. Yeah. And the story of the history is like kind of weird. It's oh, yeah? Some people think it's because it's from the garment industry, because um, there is shared people working, and the idea that film is like fabric – and you could just women would be good with their hands to tactile and take this oh fine sort of fabric and fine celluloid and be able to cut it and use it and stitch it together that it's like that's where it came from. That's the most beautiful and the most reductive thing. I know, I've I ever know. <laughs> and then I think it caught on from there, like um, Tar- Quentin Tarantino says Sally Manke, who was his editor for a long time, he said he wanted a female. Editor, because it has there's just a rich history of that, like yeah. Thelma Shoemaker with uh, Shoemaker yeah. with uh, Scorsese uh, and stuff. I think it's also a bit of like a um male ego mm. thing that, like, once you get into an editing room, to have two sweaty boys on top of each other having these fights is just like not good. Interesting and. Uh this is very reduction in generalization, but it's a compliment I th- think it's we could all agree uh women have a better uh emotional understanding of themselves and of people, yeah, and an aesthetic. I think they're just they can make things look better, yeah, and so I've thought before like w- directors should be women because. It takes... Pre- presidents an, it, should be Yeah. Oh, everybody. Yes, yes. <laughs> everybody should every, be woman. Every, Yeah, every person should be a woman. <laughs> every role, like every... Yes, same as presidents. It's like... Uh, and then when you realize, like... Because it's like, oh, if it won't, women were directing more. The whole... Movies are about, am I getting this emotional idea across? Yeah. And does something look good? does Are people dressed well? Does that look... Cre- like... The only reason I think is just because guys are fucking assholes who like barking orders at people, and people go, oh, "Okay, sir, I'll do this quickly yeah. for you." Or I have a boy, do
2: I have a story to tell? <sighs> the fact that it even comes says down to two that. guys on the longest podcast ever. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, well, We're cl- we talk briefly though. <laughs> We don't think every thought we have should be documented for all time. <laughs> if anything, it should be erased from history. <laughs> uh, but, oh, uh, Verna Field, I think it's cool that, like, it cuts after her credit. It cuts from oh, the ocean to the to interesting, the interesting.
2: Good, good pick out. Pick out? What? Oh, <laughs> boy.
3: look out for this.
2: We normally podcast in the earlier part of the day. It's like, <laughs> it's after... Yeah, afternoon.
3: It's, it's 5 o'clock. Yeah, And usually we're doing this at 10 bells. Yeah, 10 bells. So uh, we're
2: 5 <laughs> plus bells.
3: <laughs> um, but the Verna Field, um, just real quick, her house that she used to live in, um, she uh, uh, um, her house was for sale in the Valley. And I was looking at it. I couldn't afford it or buy it or anything, but um, I was looking at it online, uh, in the pictures of the rooms because her pool house was where they edited Jaws. Oh my God. And the pool in her backyard was where they shot that extra shot of Ben Gardner's head dropping down. Are you kidding? So that they could get Spielberg, they'd shot the whole movie. They were editing. It was like, this isn't working. We need a a, a shot of the head. So, they went into her pool. What did they have prior to that? They
2: had to have something to freak him out.
3: Well, I was trying to nail this down when I was watching it. I don't think it's the original head dropping down because Mm -hmm. you see an actor's shoulder there. You see the boat. Even though I think that is the thing that popularly gets pointed as, I think it's the second shot of the head. The whole of, yeah, of the house of the head because oh. you don't see really any of the rest of the boat. Oh, it's just kind of this, it looks a little different uh, than the rest of the stuff. Okay. So I don't know if it was just like we need to go back to the face one more time to get an extra. Because
2: the boat impact. looked a little different to me, shot to shot, the hole in the
3: boat. That could be it then. Yeah, I don't know. But they shot it in her pool, wow. so I was like, God, if you bought that house, you'd get to have the the Jaws pool. <laughs> oh,
2: and I just picture like a a movieola machine in every room, including oh. the kitchen, where she's just, you know, yeah. Oh
3: man, yeah.
2: What was the other movie we watched where they shot something in someone's pool? Uh,
3: uh, Jason Lives, Friday Thirteenth Six. Um, the director was like, I needed more shots of the the motor going into Jason's face. Maybe we didn't talk
2: about it. But he's like, I ruined my dad's
3: pool. Oh, my God. I'm thinking of
2: something else, though. Huh.
3: Oh, man. so funny that pools are the go-to, like, if you need additional (laughs) shots for your movie.
2: Well, just opening on this bonfire scene, the Coase factor is so
3: high. I mean, this era... I mean, I truly, I said it before, I wish I was eight in 1975, but I just, I wish I was a teenager in the 70s. It just seemed to be really cozy.
2: Yeah. Because things got edgy in the 70s, but looking back on what was edgy is so quaint now. So yeah, it would feel kind of dangerous, but it wasn't really that dangerous.
3: Well, it's also interesting that I guess it was a little, I was talking about how this movie is about like am I going to get punished for pursuing pleasure? Yeah. Because I think that's partly what I like. When I look my imagination of the seventies to grow up, it was just like, if I got to be 12 in a time where I wasn't being told that I was doing everything wrong, I think that would have made me feel good. Are
2: you going to be pleasured for pursuing punishment? <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: but yeah. What, what's the most cozy? Where would you want to be? in that campfire at the beginning. Playing a little guitar?
2: No, I I love playing guitar, but I don't, A, I don't like and don't want to be that guy at a group that's like playing the guitar. (laughs) Honestly, I'd want to be over with that girl because I'd want to be with someone, but I would want to be a part from the group because i think i would probably have anxiety in that group so yeah not to be like you know like macking on that girl but just <laughs> feeling like oh she's not comfortable in this group i bet i identify with her yes and so i would hope i could go over there and we could both recognize that that's how we feel but then i would find no she's gonna run down the beach <laughs> and give her clothes away
3: i love at a party finding a wallflower Uh, and sitting down next to a wallflower and talking for two hours. I do too.
2: I do too. And and we recently lost a great person in this world and community, Neil Mahoney. Oh yeah. Did you know Neil? I knew Neil. Yeah. He was a guy when I would go to a party and he was there. I just remember multiple times just standing off to the side and just laughing with that guy, like unspokenly understanding that we were both, peripheral party people
3: oh that's nice and i
2: i just oh so sad
3: my person for a long time when she lived out here in la and um, was uh tammy sager uh,
1: oh tammy. yeah yeah
3: i'd see her at a party and I was yeah like, oh, tammy, that's great and yeah just talk uh it was great oh um it's the best yeah I, <laughs>
2: I once went to a wedding and there just happened to be someone there like this doesn't happen often but someone that knew me from podcasting And I just hung out with that person the entire wedding. That's awesome. Because I just felt like both of us are content to just be aside and not have, there's like no amount of, uh, there's no agenda just but to like meet each other and say hello. And, and, you know, it was just really no pressure to have a small talk conversation. And
3: there is no more existentially free gathering of people that you can be a part of than the uh plus one of somebody at their friend's oh, wedding. Yes, yes. Because they don't even your partner doesn't even have family there. So yeah. you don't even have to put on a good show for no, them. Oh no. And it's maybe just like one or two of their friends and they're on their own tick yeah. that night. It's yeah. like really great. Yeah. I'm just kind of like I fully get to live free. <laughs> I know.
2: I know. That's like I always say I'm I'm bad at parties, but I'm really good on vacation in a hot tub. Because it's it's like traffic school or jury duty where <laughs> you're disparate people from different parts of the world are coming together. They would never hang out or meet. And so there's just no pressure but to be friends. You know? Yeah. And I love it.
3: Well, and it's great too because um, with a hot tub, it's there. You're there for fun. I mean, yeah. with a jury duty, you got to maybe worry about, am I going to have to put a guy in I the know, chair?
2: I know, but still there's something even about jury duty where you're just – people that would never be together but you have a common goal yeah and it's kind of interesting yeah
3: i've never uh been on a jury duty oh, I I have. Been a band i've been a i've been on a trial
2: a attempted murder trial
3: whoa yeah. how was the person found he he <laughs> usually it's women I'm, who murder people i'm That's virtually
2: certain we've talked about this on the show before but i have no idea he he got he was already going he had pled guilty so it, uh, it was a matter of how much he was going or, to get and yeah. so he did get uh, on the on the minimum side because it was some real extenuating circumstances the whole thing was <sighs> fraught and oh like he lived at a lake you
1: see <laughs> well, he
0: he didn't just live in a lake he lived in an ocean and he Oh man. Southern his, lawyer. Well, let me tell you. Look at my poor little shark with his tender little claspers. And who comes into his world? Dickie Dreyfus, Ror- <laughs> Rory Shawder, and Bobby Shaw. Look at those fucking. I'm out of order. <laughs> I object. <laughs> to bring my client in here with nothing but a diving bell full of salt water. <laughs> I gotta go. Uh, just I like how the day. Jaws
3: uh, by the um, the defense table is just kind of in a big tank. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Have a pitcher of water.
0: Paid for by the people's tax dollars. Can you Wait, imagine? did you like
3: that? <laughs> Wait. Do I? Well, I think you should. But Usually when people say paid by people's tax dollars, it sounds like a...
0: Well, I'm just saying if this late. case hadn't been brought in the first place, uh, your hard-earned taxpayer money wouldn't be going to pay. This We had to borrow this dunk tank from the Kichawani County Fair and he barely fits in and poor shark has to swim standing up.
3: What if a lawyer's back was so up against the wall he just realized he wasn't going to win the case so he <laughs> appealed to the jury. He's like, your tax dollars are being wasted by us doing this. So if you want to <laughs> protest the fact that we're even here... Let this guy go free.
0: Otherwise, I want a filibuster, and you're <laughs> never going back to work. You're going to make $5 a day. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> Fuck you, Your Honor.
3: Hey. Fuck you. The stenographer is like, Am I in a courtroom or at a, a <laughs> Richard Pryor concert? <laughs> They asked, What is it? Seven
0: words you can't say in court. Fuck you, 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 and you. That's sorry. Twelve words. Thirteen. Fuck, and then twelve for the angry men. You, 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 and you. Marty Balsam. Cutting your palm with a switchblade knife or something. It's been a while since I've seen it. I have, however, seen old Pelican Brief, the Lincoln lawyer, my, the client. I love John Grisham. Who doesn't? Oh, look, the jury's on my side. I got to
3: go. It's- oh, my God. Do you know how easy John Grisham could win a case if he just decided to practice logging? I know. The jury would be starstruck. <laughs> but they
2: would be sequestered and not allowed to read any of his books anymore (laughs) right what i don't know what i'm talking about
0: (laughs) or rent his
3: movies in the hotel we checked your records you rented the chamber (laughs) how uh
2: that woman she shoots up her leg in silhouette almost like a shark fin it's so cool but how did they shoot her getting dragged in the water back and forth. That's not like just the frogman whipping her back and forth, right? <laughs> no. It seems like she's in a contraption or yeah, something.
3: Yeah. I was watching that. Whenever I watch that scene, I think. Well, it's just it's cool that this movie is very naturalistic. Yeah. But then it just has some real kind of like bizarre flourishes, which is like yeah. it is almost like an experimental movie. Like <laughs> jaws you see him by like it's his point of view coming up on a woman underwater swimming yeah. so that's already a little like huh this is different and then yeah the way she gets jerked around it's like mechanical it yeah uh, it it goes beyond reality almost I think like you're, your brain goes well I've never seen somebody get attacked by a shark so sure that could happen but I think partly you're going like this is fantasy or something. I feel like
2: I remember her being hurt by that or something. Wasn't she kind of a, a stunt woman or a swimmer? Like she was cast for the water stuff more than the acting.
3: I yeah. Think. Yeah. And then they spoof it in 1941. I don't know. Last time you watched 1941, no, the same woman
2: that. as oh, part what? of the
3: polar bear club. She uh, runs out into the waters, the chilly waters of uh, of Northern California or something. And then a Japanese sub emerges and pulls her up. It's like oh, a Mad Magazine right. spoof of, oh, yeah. of Jaws. Yeah. yeah. Um but, uh, yeah. And also, uh, um, uh, I don't know the last time you watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but when the woman on fire runs into the pool at the end and is like splashing around and going oh, crazy yeah, in right. it looks like the Jaws attack. That's, I, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I would imagine that would like throw your back out, right? <sighs> it's gotta. Yeah. Um, but, uh. She survived. That wasn't real. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Character didn't. um, And then, yeah, she, it's just real deal. Filmmaking, that cutting back and forth between her screaming and getting pulled around and then cross cutting or intercutting that with the guy just kind of like passing out on the beach and stuff. It makes it, a thousand times scarier than just watching her get chewed up is I like know. the idea that there's somebody nearby who's not helping her. Yeah. And then I love the dissolve from the ocean at night to daytime through the window and Sh- Roy Scheider's looking out at it. Yeah. And just the mood that yesterday we talked a lot with the cozy uh, bracket. When a, a horror movie or a suspense movie or a thriller has a, a vibe and an atmosphere, there is no better atmosphere than two people waking up on a hot summer morning. That is like such a cool. Yeah. I like felt that in my bones,
2: man. Yeah. Cause don't they talk about where the sun's coming in and
3: yeah, they bought it. Cause it comes, I forget exactly, but yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you just get this kind of great little exposition about him and this kind of funny irony that he's like, the city was dangerous. Now we're coming out here to be safe. I know. And if funny... there's like
2: the talk about their accent, and part of me feels a little bit like that's to justify. I, I mean, uh, in the novel, is he from New York or were they? I don't know. I've never read the novel. Yeah. I haven't either. I, I wonder how different the novel is.
3: Um, well, I know that the big thing I knew about the novel that's not in the movie is that Hooper and uh, Mrs. Brody have an affair. That's right.
1: Yeah. And, there's, and so
3: there's like drama at the end that these two guys who... But did they shoot that? No. No, they never no. did. Okay. You know, you feel like vestigial stuff, like when he comes over and he brings wine and the yeah. wife seems to be charmed by him yeah. or something that seems like it yeah. could have gone that way. Maybe in an alternate cut. He is a charmer in his way. Yes. That guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's, you know, my really only complaint with this movie, you know, I know I said I didn't have it. uh, There's just like two kind of cringy moments like with him. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like it when he makes the faces at Quinn. And I don't like- He does
2: one face too many. (laughs) It's (laughs) the tongue one. Yep. Yep. The subtle one is first. And then he, it's like- Spielberg didn't yell cut He must <laughs> like what I'm doing once wants more
3: Yeah I also don't like the I think somebody's back for their noon feeding It's a little <laughs> too like good. Think about it
2: <laughs> That's pretty good I do like his look though His Ooh. fashion sense I really like All
3: those guys are yeah. just like You could be this man in the 70s You could be this man Or you could be this man You could be yeah. the bearded glassed uh, intellectual Yeah you can be the dad, or you can be the sailor. Yeah. I also like think they do represent like. This, I'm not saying everybody. You, just, it's obvious. It's like Hooper science. Yeah. Uh, Brody's law and like Quint is like nature. Yeah. And you're getting on the boat. Like, who's gonna win here? Is it nature? Is it science? Or is it law? That like. Is uh, how we figure out how to make things like what it's interesting. what course do we choose, and uh, then in the end it's wins. law and science.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs>
3: um, now the wife, uh, that's um Ellen Brody is the real uh uh Sid Scheinberg, um the studio head. That's his wife. Oh, really? His real life wife. Oh, which is like. Is that how That's smart thinking that yeah. if you're gonna make a movie, put the studio had wife in it. Oh, interesting, yeah. He's gonna love that movie. Yeah, He's gonna he want really everybody is, to see it. Yeah. That is pretty <laughs> I could also see maybe a danger being in it, that like if you make if it's looking like it's gonna be a piece of crap, then this guy's gonna maybe get a little more involved.
2: I thought you were gonna say because of the time that the studio forced her in there, which is not to like detract from her. She's really right. good in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. She's Really good. I'm very curious to see because I know she's in part four Uh and she's in part two, right? Yes. She's not
3: in part three. No. Uh, uh, um, um, But Dennis Quaid. (laughs) Thank God.
2: And a lot of people don't know this. She only wasn't in part three because she's in real life, literally just two dimensions. And so (laughs) they couldn't couldn't get her to show up. It was weird. Um,
3: Yeah. I like her in this. um, She is like a, I think if another person had made this movie, her characterization would have been a little different, yeah, like she does feel i I love the Spielberg ladies, these kind yeah. of like ex hippie, sort of like she's cool, yeah like she is. comes in and she says to him, like, do you want to get drunk and fool around? I know. And she's got this cool blue bandana oh, that
2: look of a bandana kerchief back in your I'm always like when we do some work around the house, like asking a man to do that. I don't know why. It just, it gives me, I think I've long for the day when that happened in my life where I'm renovating a home or something like that. Yeah. And I picture that version of it. Yes. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Her style is very cool in this. Yeah. Yeah. And she just seems like a cool mom, you yeah. know? Uh, now, um, son comes in with the bloody hand. Oh, so that billboard, the 50th annual regatta. That's mm. it a regatta
2: isn't that a little boat race Oh, i don't know if it's yachts but or though i think maybe those little littler yachts or little boats
3: do you like that i have um enough of i'm comfortable enough that i i can ask a dumb question like that to somebody on a pod and
2: are you do you like that i'm comfortable enough to completely lie and make up that answer (laughs) no i think that's what it is
3: i thought when i saw it I'm wrong. That's why I asked. I was like, a 50th anniversary is a regatta. <laughs> Cause <laughs> so you serve like that little...
0: Italian dish. The regatta. Yes.
3: the regatta with peas. Um,
2: That sign was a huge part. And I think, I don't know if it still is of the universal studios oh, yeah. tram tour. And man, Going there and just going through that Jaws attraction was so great. I
3: just. That's great. Uh, it's also um, that little area, the bay kind of where you go through uh, in the Murder, She Wrote. Ro- I was just going to say yeah. that. Like,
2: what, they pushed that so hard on that tram ride. like. Yeah. Like almost to the detriment, detriment of Jaws. Of Jaws. <laughs> they really did. Cause I think Jaws was 75 and then Murder She Wrote was early mid eighties. Uh-huh. So they were a little bit, it's a little more au courant, you know, and just <laughs> but come on. People come into this are like families of kids, like we don't care about murder she wrote. Yeah, like, it's give not me like Jaws. Jessica
3: Fletcher
0: pops it out of the should water. Have been there.
2: Angela of Lansbury coming out of the water. But man, when Jaws would come out of the water, I loved it because like the like I love those stunt shows, it's it's so good but also the artifice is such a package with it because jaws would pop out and you just hear the
3: yep
0: and oh god
3: and i love how like i think they started having to add like a a big splash at the end yeah like that was cool. I know. Right? Uh, it got wet at uh, the end there. Yeah. Also, um, the tanks, the gas tanks blow up and you feel that – I love that Uh, that um, heat. theme, park, oh, heat. theme like park
2: heat. Oh, theme park heat.
3: Especially because it's a lot of times you're on a hot – It's a hot day. So, <sighs> to feel that extra little bit of heat, it's like getting off a leather couch or oh. something with your back sticking to <laughs>
2: it. Just an update, a uh, third installment of my – pursuit to track down the life and times of the stuntman Bob Rochelle from the original Wild West stunt show at Universal Studios. I watched this. You might like this too. It's like a half hour behind the scenes at Universal Studios. Mm. So it's got some Back to the Future stuff. And then the last kind of part of it is the stunt shows in the tram thing. But then Bob this guy's on camera talking about timing and so I was a real gold mine I didn't know I was going You didn't even know he was going No I didn't even know
1: Oh I know wow, you must have been overjoyed I
2: was I was cuz I just a little more pieces filled in I, there's no information about him but it's the first time I've seen a close up on his face and him talking out of character even though he's still kind of doing a bit um but then they like King Kong was the new thing when they made this. So like Jaws is now the like poor little mm. forgotten about child and King Kong is the big thing.
3: Kongfurtation. Yeah. The, uh, and this thing, was before yeah.
2: it burned down and was like half digital. Like the old mechanical Kong was pretty cool. Yeah.
3: Too. I remember that. They used to um, pump a banana smell. Yeah. so you, right. It smelled like King Kong and banana breath. breath. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Jaws just had chum breath. <laughs> Do you think that they... What what were they using in the movie Jaws for chum? Because they couldn't use real chum, right? Because that would probably bring sharks. Oh. Would it be fun to make a movie about the making of a shark movie and then there's shark attacks?
3: That keeps getting... Yeah, the, the production has to keep getting canceled because of real shark attacks. Yeah, I bet,
2: be it, I bet it wouldn't be fun, but I bet it would be okay. <laughs> I don't
3: know. Uh, it would be called... Um, uh, Bear (laughs) told Bowie,
1: "Like
0: Bear Brecht,
3: yes, I love it. Meta,
0: it's meta. Bite hold. I finally
3: heard a good explanation for the whole Brechtian thing, Goerly. That I never really knew why. Why it's good to see the artifice. Okay, it's so, and I love it now. I'm all about it. I mean, I liked it before because I just thought it was weird. Yeah, but now I like it because I get the it's." Cause it's something I feel when I watch movies, it's it makes it less about this character and the story that's being told. And it's about like, don't get hung up on the characters. Don't get hung up on the story. Just think about this as ideas. The message. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. presenting ideas. And, and I was like, oh, that's yeah. really
1: cool.
2: Yeah. That's, that's that Brechtian conflict, I guess. So what's a movie that's Brechtian? Cause it's big in theater, especially in the, you know. Late mid-century.
3: Um, I'm I think on. Godard's stuff has Brechtian things where he's letting you know a movie is being made, and yeah, uh, but like not fully meta. But I think like it's partly what I like about brian De Palma and stuff is that uh, you're watching it you're aware it's a movie movie that yeah. you're watching because these cameras doing things you don't usually see yeah and then it forces you to be like oh i'm not just watching this as a yeah entertainment it's also like what's going on here
2: and then like the killing of a sacred deer felt kind of brechtian because he just wouldn't allow characters to have much emotion at times or oh, something. i never I saw even, that oh that's a trippy movie i
3: i leslie loved it i yeah
2: i was i was glad i saw it but it, because I really, really like the lobster, but I was left a little frustrated. Yeah,
3: but. Leslie seemed to like the lobster, and um, what's a dog tooth more? I've never seen dog tooth. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm a little scared to watch those movies. I'm afraid they're going to rattle me too much. Yeah, but they're that's, real. that's not a they're think- they're good what way to I live. call thinkers. <laughs> um, Better than stinkers. You're talking to
0: me, buddy boy. <laughs>
3: Uh, so I like that um, you know I said that, that there's a Spielberg look that the boy looks over and then it cuts to the girl yeah ain't no five minutes later that you get another one and it's when that deputy cop is like falls oh, over yeah and he's like oh, what did I just see and you're like yeah. oh my god what am I gonna see here it is such a yeah, easy satisfying trick <laughs> it really is yeah and I think it is really just comes down to when you're watching a movie you're aware you're looking at something so if you're being kind of told what to look at and how to look at it beforehand. It's just like, it's the little helping hand
2: you need. Yeah, like a nice kind of
3: helping hand. And speaking of hands, the next shot with the hand, I just read last night that that's a real hand. They had a fake hand, but they thought it looked too phony. So Spielberg had somebody like lay down and just kind of stick their hand out and they covered them up with shit. Could
2: I keep my hand
3: that still? I couldn't.
2: I'm trying right now and I can't.
3: Oh my god! When um... Oh, I've thought about this. I would never be. I would never get cast in a Star Trek thing. I'm sure, but I can't do Vulcan. Oh no! I thought, what would I do if I ever had to do that? They'd have to
2: like put tape. He broke his hand, his two fingers, so (laughs) they had to splint his pinky. But you can do it. Yeah, I guess. Why can't I? I can do this, and then I can split the center ones to meet in the middle and leave the other ones out.
3: Ooh. That's a um, special sect of Vulcan.
2: Yeah. That's...
3: Those are the party animals.
2: Vulcans with a heart. We're not just all brain. <laughs> I don't
3: know. Uh, the uh The, I like the, um, so then he goes back and he gets on that typewriter, that big close-up shot of yeah. Shark Attack. Yeah. And um, I was thinking how that would be like... Um, Somebody writing down like, for the first time, like COVID. Oh, it's like somebody at some point somebody had to write that down for the first time. Oh, COVID nineteen. COVID. Who do you think named it? Probably some guy named nineteen. <laughs> He's like, I they'll think it's the year. This is. I'm gonna get the word out. We're only on COVID fourteen. I know. <laughs>
2: that's how you know this movie was shot in 74 too so you can see the date on that form is it today's date no the indianapolis was today's date but but the on the form it says it's 1974
3: but i thought today was it on um i follow a a twitter account called dates and movies oh
2: that sounds good
3: um let me see if They do have the uh, Annapolis thing that it's it's the time he lists it, but interesting. Wikipedia has it as July 30th, but the movie says June 29th. Oh, June 29th, 1974. After worrying about Alex pruning from being in the water too long, this oh, Mrs. Kinter wait lets wait him back in the sea to play with Jaws. So it's is, when he dies. Is
2: Robert Shaw saying that today is the day? Is June 29th?
3: No, 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 no. Both things are true. He says the Indianapolis thing happened on June 29th, and in the movie, um you can see the date. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. That was Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah.
2: Wow. Um, my next note is just when we get to Quint's introduction.
3: Yes. Um yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I just uh, real quick. I like the um, this kind of like Frank Capra esque town of like mm. kooky, colorful local characters. The ca- and stuff. I have that
2: same such characters.
0: Yeah, I
3: know, with an exclamation mark. <laughs> such <laughs> characters. And then oh um,
0: what?
3: <laughs> and then the um, uh, just a quick word about um, Marie Hamilton as the mayor, please. Fantastic. Amazing. I love that Amazing. uh both as written and delivered that barracuda line is just oh, perfect. Yeah. They like you say barracuda everybody goes what? Yeah, you say shark. Uh he's so good. Uh, and it also just feels like there's a little truth in that uh
2: i know his little anchor jacket and you know paul f tompkins our friend paul yeah. has an anchor suit made of the same material and i remember when he got it made we went out to dinner it was his first time wearing it and we went to a movie and he was just it, it was just glorious to be around
3: you know? did anybody come up and go excuse me mr at the, hamilton at the,
2: <laughs> he tried to close down the movie no keep it open
3: i don't understand anything uh i love the little anchor jacket yeah. it's just like it might be the first thing i think of when i think of jaws i know <laughs> um i also like the um when uh um yeah oh yeah i'm here for this town meeting it, yeah.
2: Quint's introduction is so ridiculously cliche, but only because of what it created. So watching it now uh-huh. was so, yeah. you all know me, you know. I yeah. mean, the, the it's not cliche. It just became such a cliche. Because it was this. so good. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, yeah, the fingers on the chalkboard. But it just like... That was maybe the one moment that took me out where it's dated, but not because of its own fault, because it was so iconic. Yeah. I am just taken out by like the crowd parting and someone sitting there and being the opposite energy of everybody
3: else. Yeah, when I was watching that scene, I was thinking like every single actor in the world would love to be introduced in this. way. It's the perfect way to be introduced, which is like big group of people all talking around, but they all get quiet and yeah. turn their attention onto this one person. Yeah. And then that one person gets this like glorious, like floating camera towards them. Yeah. And then the content of what he says that is just so badass. which is like, I will defeat this monster for you. If you guys are, aren't idiots, you'll do this. Like it's yeah. just what any actor would love to be able to do.
2: <sighs> He's so good in this film.
3: And that yeah that he does it with a slightly like he's not going full masculine. No. He's got he's quiet, he's got like his legs kind of crossed and he's eating those like little delicate crackers and stuff. It's such a brilliant way to it's like I know him about us. Yeah. Same
2: with his monologue. It's really understated. He kind of gets glassy-eyed. Yeah and yeah. vulnerable and but it's nothing he's not wearing anything on his sleeve it's just it's incredible oh
3: that vulnerability thing is really great and um when i i love just the that the shape of that moment when richard Dreyfuss says oh a scar she broke my heart and they all laugh and then uh quint says oh i had a tattoo removed and then uh, hooper goes let me guess what it says mother Yeah, and they it does get a full laugh. I'm yeah. like, God, that I've ex- I know yeah. what that feeling is. Yeah. And then the way Quint reaches out and grabs Richard Dreyfuss's arm to like, don't laugh. I don't want you laughing at this. It is Ugh. true uh my dad is getting vulnerable yeah. by, <laughs> at the yeah. dinner table moment. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Um but yeah, that um and then his little buddy runs off with him at the end. I know. Uh um I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's funny at all. Uh, yeah. Then uh, okay, so then uh, they go back to that um, to the house.
2: Is this the scene with his son and the little crossed fingers?
3: Oh, not this is the shark book. Oh right, okay. Where he's flipping through the shark book.
2: Yeah, and um, oh yeah, and she comes up.
3: Yeah, and I one thing I like about that book of sharks that it's in the movie because there's gross pictures in there. Yeah, no kidding. The movie, I, I feel like it has a a, a high bar of, like, taste and what it will do and what do. But there's sometimes a don't. Yeah. And just, like, this is the equivalent of, like, the scuzzy kid in your school who, when you have, like, time at the library, he just grabs the book with, like, the weird pictures and he's like, you see this? I know. I what about know. this? This is pretty <laughs> shit. This fucked up, huh? Like, I just like that this movie now is just, like – takes two minutes out to just go, look at this gross shit. Yeah, oh, man. Like,
2: <laughs> you have no choice if you're ready to see something for the first time or not.
3: <gasps> right. That yeah. is a good way of putting it.
2: <laughs> certain things, <laughs> certain things in life you see for the first time and, and before it's time, you know? Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I bet there was a lot of kids who weren't particularly grateful to see that like yeah. eaten arm and leg. Um <laughs> And then uh, I do like that a book makes her want a kid's to get out of That she what? When she's, she sees that picture of the book and she's like, get out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to imagine that like if the boys had been playing with like a a monkey with a certain amount of curiosity. And then she was inside the house and looked at a curious George book <laughs> and saw like, What? He can make the ice cream factory go haywire. Boys, get away from that monkey. And get away from that ice cream factory. <laughs> don't wear that yellow hat. <laughs> um. So we do have that little... Um, this feels a little slashery, The the guys on the dock. Yeah, who don't even get killed. No, but it's kind of like one of those things of like... I know, it got a little boring. Don't worry, yeah, don't yeah. worry, don't worry. There's exactly. something exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But what that's what's so funny about it is like you you even hesitated to kill a kid and you're gonna put in a scene to kinda give us a little jolt. Why do they survive? It's so funny. <laughs> I don't understand
3: it. We want those two dumbasses to live. Yeah. Um Oh, the other the thing when they do show those pictures. I had a friend who, I don't know if you remember those zoo cards. They came in like a big green case. Oh, yeah. Case yeah, like a card case. That's and, right. And they had animal cards. Yeah, I do. I had a friend who parents bought him that, but he never opened it up because there was one picture of a shark in there. Oh, my God. And he was scared that he would see the shark uh, if he was swimming. <laughs> he
2: knew it was in there. As long as it doesn't open. Pandora's
3: box. Yeah. The green... Safari animal card box. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, the um. So this is a uh, enter Hooper. Mm-hmm. Is it are we good there? Are yeah you,
2: did did he already have the little scene with his son where they crossed the fingers? Oh, not yet. Okay, not yet. But do we can talk about it? No, I got nothing to say. Just that what a interesting little Spielberg oh, so very Spielberg and the kiss and the you know I need a kiss like yeah. that is just not something a dad of that era would say, not that it's not believable, but it's so endearing, you know? Yeah.
3: And what I like about it is some, um, I mean, I like that dads don't get a good rap in Spielberg movies. It's kind of comforting, but like, I do like that. He is a nice dad. Like you don't get to see that dad a lot of times in those early Spielberg movies. Like, um, but I also like that, uh, it feels, I think, it feels so Spielberg-y in that it's like sentimental and sweet. But I also, like, he does this thing a lot in his movies where it'll be two people repeat mm. biologic, like, gestures. Yeah. Like, they do a wordless. So that's like in Close Encounters. At the end, they do the hand thing. And then in Temple of Doom, remember when the guy's saying, like, he, they came. Oh, yeah. And they, he covers up his eyes. Oh, it yeah. It all became dark. And I found out later Spielberg was off camera just saying he wanted to make the guy's performance feel alive. Yeah. So he like having him repeat his gestures off camera. So he's basically doing the like... Oh, my God. Just mirror what I'm doing and it'll look cool. That You can read that in that guy's performance. Because yeah. also
2: he was having to have the English dictated to him line by line. He repeated it phonetically. He didn't oh. speak English.
3: Yeah. I was thinking like... That movie is racist, Temple Doom, and how little care those characters get compared to other characters yeah. in other Indiana Jones movies.
2: Yeah. Like, compared to the Nazis.
1: <laughs>
3: yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was thinking the other day, I, I hope this isn't blasphemous, just how lacking, relatively lacking- the Indiana Jones movies are in villains. Have we talked about this? Mm-mm. Just I like Belloc, but Walter Donovan and Last Crusade and Mola Ram and even Belloc like like
3: Gor- Gorley. What I like Belloc, come on! Belloc is an amazing villain. I get with the other two, yeah. I uh, this is the first time I've ever pushed back so hard on I know Gourly I like comment. it. I like it. I just movie.
2: couldn't take that talk about Belloc, he's great. I like him, don't get me wrong. I just He's not I'm not saying it has to be iconic, but when you when you look at what like Alan Rickman did with Hans Gruber, and to think if you had a Gruber level portrayal of an iconic performance, I hear. Paul wait. Freeman's great. He really is. And he's charismatic, but he's not iconic. And and this is gonna be really blasphemous, so get ready to be really Okay. Mad. I kind of think Kate Blanchett is the most iconic of the four movie villains. Maybe not the iconic best. Iconic in
3: uh, true iconography.
2: L- well, look, look, but persona and what stands behind, you know, like she has a more of a mythos yeah. to her.
3: I, I, We know Indiana Jones movies are trying to get to the, reach the mantle of Bond. Right? Yeah. Like those were the movies that inspired it and they're even yeah. trying to outpace Bond. And if you look at it in that terms... You're right. Yeah. The villains don't come close to a Bond villain in terms of like their size and yeah. stature. And then also just sort of what they're after. Yeah. You're right. It is kind of Donovan small. especially.
2: And I like Julian Glover, but he's a, he was a Bond villain in Free Your Eyes Only. Yeah. And he's, he's serviceable, but it just feels like a different actor would come along and fill it up with so much more. You yeah.
3: Know? And the fact that it is a little Belloc part two. Yeah. And then – yeah, I obviously even last time I watched Temple of Doom, I did think like, ooh, it's bad that um uh Mola, what's his name? The bad guy Mola Ram. Yeah, that like he doesn't say more than like a word or five N- words. Like not much. Uh a villain who can be articulate is a, a good villain. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The guy who plays the really bad Nazi in Last Crusade, Michael Byrne, he's an English actor, but he's like the tank commander Nazi. (laughs) I would have liked to have seen him play Walter Donovan.
3: Yes. Or, damn, if it had been Rutger Hauer, you get like Um, somebody who's just a little kind of like... A little more dashing or something? Yeah, Yeah. or uh, feels a little dangerous. Or imagine Alan Rickman in that role. Yeah. I mean, when you said Alan Rickman, of course I should have known you were going to reference Die Hard. But the first thing I thought of was... He's the only reason to watch that Robin Hood Prince of Thieves crap, yeah, is because exactly. he makes that villain so great, yeah. That's so true. I was like, oh God, if you just cast Alan Rickman as a as a Jones villain, that'd be yeah. Too late, I know. Um, and I derailed us. Duh. I
2: derailed us to offend you, sir, and I, for that
3: I apologize. Oh my God, I'm gonna later tonight be laying in bed and just be like, I was too hard on Gorley. No, no,
2: I'm gonna be like, I haven't thought enough about this. And rewatch Raiders and go, he was right.
3: (laughs) Oh, it is a sign of how small Belak is, though, that in the poster for Raiders of the Lost Ark, he is like a size of a head as anybody else. Yeah,
2: like Tote is as big as him, right? Mm -hmm. And he's really just a henchman, kind of, Yeah. Hmm.
3: And the po- on the poster, the last thing is him holding his head before it explodes. Oh, that's right. real illustration, yeah. which is funny.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe part of what I'm responding to is that Paul Freeman, you'd think, would have gone on to do much more, yeah. but never did. Same with Molaram and Julian Glover, you know.
3: Maybe it, it cast a Paul over his free man. Oh, God. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> I had to have the words over and <laughs> man to make it. Whatever, whatever gets uh, you uh, there. Uh, um, <laughs> um, oh, oh, when I was saying the thing about like, Oh, there's things about humor and, and behavior that are timeless and will still work for a teenage kid who wants to watch this movie. Yeah. It just, it's so right on about like when those, macho guys all getting boats and are crowding on boats and throwing fireworks and stuff. I'm just like, that is so true and so funny and it will be continue to be true and funny until the earth is over. Yeah, because it also feels
2: like that was cast with people who were probably a little bit like that. Like (laughs) Spielberg was savvy enough to go like, oh, these are the Dunderheads. Let's put them there. Let's put the fuddy-duddies here. (laughs) And like Mrs. I keep forgetting, but Curtin or whatever it is. Mrs. Brody. No, the oh, the woman kid, who loses yes. her son. Yeah. Was like the leader of a little community theater on the island, so she had acting experience, as you can tell, because her delivery of that, oh. that dressing down of Brody is yeah. so amazing.
3: And just uh uh yes, it's it's really incredible. And then K- like Kintner. Kintner. Yeah. Uh what's also so good and unsaid is just like what's good about the characterization and all this movie is like you just feel like there's something, a little something extra about this character that we don't, they're not telling us we can just uh, interpret that she's older. Yeah. And so she's got this kid. Yeah. And she's like, if he goes, her, it's yeah. over. She's not going to have another kid. Yeah. And like, this was kid was her life and to lose it means more to her than if... It was a 22-year-old girl who lost know, her. It's, it's really great.
2: It's crushing because she's already so protective of him before he
3: even goes you know. out. Yeah, And then, uh, oh, with that scene when he does die, the sound in it is so amazing because they're not using any score. And so it'll just be like quiet, 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 peace, peace, peace. And then just cuts to like three kids all jumping into the water. And it's just like, oh, a sound is yeah. being used to like create music. It's and really- did you
2: notice when the camera's like above water and then it dips below water, it just instantly goes that. No, it comes back out. Not even when people are splashing, like even if it just dips a little bit, that comes in that. That's
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. awesome. Yeah.
3: That's very cool. Um, so the, um, uh, okay. So I, the, um, uh, autopsy scene. When Hooper yeah. goes in and puts the little yeah. mic on. Um,
2: and it has a full belt tape recorder, like the size of a toaster.
3: A dictabelt, belt? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, he is. it's so funny. It says, like, he is the technology guy. That's right. So
2: he's going to have... He bought it all himself. <laughs> There's so much of this I didn't remember. Like
0: Oh, that that's stuff. thing
3: about how he's like... Yeah, I'm pretty rich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, That autopsy scene, I don't know if you clocked it, but it has a weird moment where it cuts to... Oh, they're having a conversation and uh, he says, don't smoke that in here. Yeah. And then he puts the smoke and then it cuts to an arm in like a little tub and he goes, so this is what happens. And then it cuts to it and he's like, uh, there's... Uh biting on the and he continues with the thing. And people have online are like, What's up with that? Because he just says, So this is what happens, hmm. and holds up the arm. And it's been a mystery for the longest time. And then finally, somebody asked uh uh, uh Brian Singer asked Steven Spielberg about it in Empire magazine. He's like, What's up with that? And he's like, Oh, I haven't thought about that since the movie came out. We had to had a weird cut and we needed to have something to make the cut work. So we just put in the shot of him holding the arm because we had to cut some other stuff out. And that was a good way to stitch it together. He's like, but we needed sound and we didn't know what to say. So we just pulled some other audio of him saying, so this is what happens. But it's such a weird, it doesn't make any sense that in the middle of his like autopsy, he goes, so this is what happens.
2: So is it like Spielberg was thinking like, Matt Hooper picks up the arm and is like, so this is what happens when a shark actually bites a human, like in real life, kind of.
3: And people, there's a Mandela effect where people are like, no, I saw in the movie, he says, so this is what happens when a girl goes swimming at Amity Island. Like oh people my God, like have wow. tried to fill in the gap to make it work. And that Jaws had braces. <laughs> yes, there's many Mandela effects involving Jaws. There
2: really are, yeah.
3: <laughs> I was just... Uh I saw a clip of Moonraker recently and I was like, God, she doesn't really doesn't have braces. No,
2: it is the strongest (laughs) Mandela effect I think there is. To the point that some people still don't believe. Has
3: has anybody in the Bond world responded to why that was a choice? Like we had braces on the set, but we decided No, there was never
2: a thing. And like I think there are some people that really truly believe there is a conspiracy to wipe it away. Like it did happen and it just never did.
3: What's the it's not there? Um, what's the, um, I mean, Jaws came out in uh, 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 Jaws and the Bond is in Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. 77. Yes. So naming him Jaws. Yeah. Is. Pure reference. Yeah. Oh. It has to be. Yeah. Cause they were also you can't big use the on word Jaws and not.
2: No. And yeah. they were big on co-opting things, you know, <laughs> from, you know, whatever.
3: Anything that's popular. Basically. Yeah. Parkour.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kung Fu and Man with the Golden Gun, black exploitation, and Live and Let Die. Right. You know. Yeah.
3: I guess when you're making a movie every two years, you just kind of gotta look to what's going on for yeah. a little inspo.
2: Yeah. Legal dramas in the mid '90s. They just Bond was just a trial attorney.
3: <laughs> 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 he found out maybe there was something going on at that firm after all. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, Oh, and I love how Hooper just totally... Uh, that other autopsy guy who like lied for the mayor. It was, oh, like, it was yeah. a boating accident. Hooper just totally hands his ass to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that guy has to be like, oh. Uh, yeah, oh God. <laughs> this little snot-nosed hippie in his denim coming over here and telling me what's up. Um, okay. So when they go to that fake shark that they think is Jaws and they caught... Yeah. Um, Two things. Brody asks this really weird question where he goes, did Ben Gardner catch this? And I think they're just trying to set up that Ben Gardner is a fisherman, so later when they go and see his boat, yeah. his name is, you've heard it once. right? But it almost seems like Brody has a crush on Ben Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> like, they see a shark, he's like, oh, did Ben catch this? <laughs> We're going out to see Ben's boat? I get to see Ben? Did... Did Ben ask about me? Don't ask him if I asked him about me. What about Ben Tramer? Did he catch this? <laughs> another Halloween crush. But another Halloween connection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um The other thing is, uh Carl Gottlieb is a act he's like the mayor's press agent yeah. or whatever. Did you notice he said to somebody, Call Dave Axelrod in New York? is that oh, weird? Yeah. I mean, there is a David Axelrod yeah. now, and he would be somebody you would call if you wanted to <laughs> get some press out. Hmm. Interesting. I think it's just a coincidence, but maybe little Davy Axelrod was watching the in the theater. He's like, uh, maybe
0: I can come. <laughs> somebody, somebody calls.
3: He was probably 30
2: at the time. <laughs> he did have a high voice.
3: <laughs> uh, he was eating helium flavored popcorn. <laughs> Uh, we think it's a tiger shark.
0: Oh what? <laughs> oh what?
2: <laughs> that's you couldn't. Spielberg just had to have. He just got that. It just that just happened. There was no making that happen. Ugh, right. It right. just was caught. A moment like that was just captured.
3: But isn't that's what's awesome about Jaws, man? We got yeah. to see something scary just a moment later, and then we see this. and This guy, was funny. <gasps> oh, get everything. Uh, and then the i love the mayor overhearing um that the rate bite radius is different yeah i've experienced that thing in life all the time where the person who's worried about how things are going to go oh yeah, yeah is just like has is a tuning fork yeah. for anything oh, and it's just the worst what's that yeah you think the bite radius is like oh. what's that <laughs> the paper plates are too small Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, we weren't even saying it to you. No, I know, but I just heard you. You think the paper plates are too small. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but the uh um when he uh it is a little and it's okay. It's a little bit of a movie thing that when they're like, Well, let's cut open the shark to see what's inside him, and then the mayor's like, We're not gonna cut him open just so a little boy falls out. And right <sighs> when he says that the mob shows up. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. A little movie-ish. <laughs> and then she slaps him. Um, and then Brody goes home, has the scene with his son. Yeah. Um, and then Hooper shows up with some wine. Mm. I love it when Brody pours that glass of wine in a big tumbler.
2: And Hooper's like, well, you really should let it aerate. A lot. Well, never mind.
3: <laughs> I don't think, though, um, like – it seemed like Brody was already drinking pretty heavily before he got there. Yeah. And then he's drinking that. And then he goes out on the boat. I don't know if Brody should even be standing. He seems like he should be six sheets to the wind.
2: I know. And he gets seasick, doesn't he, too? Oh, right. God, yeah. if you're
3: drunk, seasick.
2: And yeah, he's the one that survives and pulls it off, man.
3: Because he's shider. Yeah, he's shider. My, in college, my friend and I used to sing, my friend Adam uh, Passion, I used to uh, sing, shiter. Shider 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 Drive his Drive us Drive us Oh When Brody's Pouring the glass of wine Hooper tells a funny story About why he got into sharks oh, It's yeah. like a funny story Like oh my boat I was thinking How funny it would be <laughs> If he told that Amusing anecdote How Quint tells the Indianapolis Story later <laughs> How like Inappropriate that would be <laughs> When I was a little boy, a shark came up. <laughs> doll's eyes. Doll's eyes. Lifeless eyes. That's another, uh, yeah, one of those line deliveries that's... Oh, and just that. A doll's that's eyes. That's got to be John Milius. A doll's
2: eyes. It's yeah. so
3: good. God, Red Dawn should have been called Doll's Eyes.
2: Red Dawn should have been written like that.
3: Is there any uh, dolls, doll, what's the... Closest to Doll's Eyes uh, dialogue in um, Red Power's Dawn.
2: booth to uh, see Thomas Howell.
3: Oh, avenge me?
2: No. What's he say? Kid, all that hate's going to burn you up. And then see Thomas Howell goes, keeps me warm. And then he flicks his butterfly knife. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the Harry Dean's stand, avenge
0: me, <laughs> avenge me.
2: Oh, what else is there? Anything else in there that's really
3: they had poetic? to cut out that scene of a tank outside of McDonald's, huh? In Red Dawn, it's in the trailer. Yeah,
2: it's in the trailer
3: because, um, in California, there was a big massacre at a McDonald's.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Is that why they cut it out? Yeah,
3: because they thought it would be in poor taste. Oh, yeah, huh. um. But now I kind of miss that that movie doesn't have a shot of a tank outside McDonald's. It's pretty cool. Um oh, cutting open the shark. License
2: plate, classic.
3: Yep, yep. Classic. Yep. Uh wouldn't have been funny if uh those two guys were idiots. And he's like, now he's eating cars. <laughs> we gotta catch this car. This car eating shark. He hates these
0: cats. <laughs> he hates these
1: cars. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's next? Houses, skyscrapers, <laughs> the Mir space station. I'll bet they're building it.
3: Uh, then they uh, they go out on that boat, his techno boat. Yeah. Now I do think that's Studio Water. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah, seem like feels they're like out a in tank. real life. Yeah,
2: I, that does remind me that I, I, one of the many times I went on the Universal Studios tour the big lake they have on the back lot was painted for Jaws 4. It was like I saw the big backdrop is painted. And it's really cool because the sky just looks so real, but it's just airbrushed clouds. And they always – the big thing, like they were doing this for years, is like this is where they shot Jaws 4. So when we watch that, you know I'm going to be thinking about
3: that. (laughs) Well, I cheated a little bit, and I just – I typed in Jaws the Revenge into YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And it was, somebody did a comparison of the endings for Jaws Revenge because oh. there was a theatrical and then... Oh, that's right. They, they reshot it for international and added stuff.
2: Oh, so what, what...
0: I can
3: see the fake sky. When I saw it, I was like, oh, that's the universal fake so sky. So for
2: the reshoot, they used the fake sky?
3: Maybe for all the stuff. But I just mm. noticed when I was watching the endings, uh, I saw the...
2: So is there a version we should watch?
3: um huh maybe I think the we, maybe we should watch the the dvd
2: whatever um, the probably whatever the main release is right the rental one and then we could i'll watch that youtube video too because i'm curious
3: yeah i think the rental one though is like chintzier it like oh it's more explosive and like a Mm. bigger quote-unquote ending but it looks garbage like so it's such a funny choice that they were like We'll take an explosion, even if it looks like shit, as opposed to just a shark dying, which is too boring. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So then um, they go down. He sees that head.
2: Oh, man, that scared me as a kid. That scared the crap out of me.
3: That's a big shocker, because you're already so... You, Matt Gorley, not yes. me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but so tense. Yeah, you're just like he shouldn't be going down by that boat in the middle of the night in the dark. What's oh. he doing?
2: It's that and the chum scare when Roy Scheider's chumming and looking. Yes. His back is turned, and the shark just comes up.
3: Oh. Did you know that that little um, frame of the shark coming up when he's feeding chum is in Jurassic Park on uh, Dennis Nedry's computer? It's like a little video graphic that's oh, playing. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, it's a little bit of a Easter egg to, Hey, I know I'm making Jaws here. I'm making another Jaws. Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Is it when Dennis Nedry's back is to the computer, like a kind of metaphor of like you don't understand? Oh, what it you're is. With
3: it is. Yeah,
2: I love that movie.
3: <laughs> I love Jurassic Park. It's so much better than Jaws. Jaws is shit. Um. Then the scene with the. Uh, billboard vandalism yeah that's and I, pretty amazing yeah and i love it is a very um what's that thing that uh uh in in apocalypse now marlon brando's character says they don't let you write fuck on the plane that's gonna drop bombs on children oh yeah and it's like the mayor's preoccupation with like this is vandalism yeah this yeah. is such a funny like dude what are you
2: Oh, I know. <laughs> That's so good. Um, I have. I might go pee. Oh yeah, I, I might go pee. I might go. I might. <laughs> we'll be right back. We'll be right back.
1: With Corley and rust. With Corley and rust.
3: Okay. Okay. Let's start from the top. Well, Uh, just a
2: general note. Mm -hmm. Quint's been married three times. I want to know. I want three prequel movies on his three marriages.
3: Oh, my God. Yes. And then there's like a Quint the Revenge fourth movie. Yeah. (laughs) Where he marries somebody uh and divorces them i imagine he's gotten his heart broken by all three of those women um yeah because he says uh the demise of his third wife is why he um went and got into an arm wrestling competition and then it hurt his arm yeah have you ever hurt your arm in an arm wrestling competition no
2: have you ever entered into an arm wrestling competition because of a breakup Twice? Oh yeah, (laughs) that's not that many. Wow.
1: (laughs) Every time it was more of an
3: over the edge thing than (laughs) than a than a really arm wrestling thing. (laughs) Um. The uh, um. So when they. then there's the big Fourth of July scene. Oh, that's where you're you could maybe see the lady of the dunes. Oh, really? Uh, victim. Uh she's somebody in like a blue another blue bandana and then like a red shirt. Oh. And some people think, hey, that might be her. Oh, <laughs> probably boy. not. But uh um,
2: those island people got too much time on their hands.
3: Yeah. Uh too much time to uh waste the day away. Yeah. We should be going and uh um, <clears throat> Working in a factory, Uh, (laughs) ice cream factory. (laughs) Uh, I gotta say, I love seeing just a beach full of seventies people, man. Oh god, it it can't be something. It's
2: really something.
3: And then when they go in the water, seeing a ocean full of seventies people, just of all shapes,
2: sizes, ages. Yeah, not a ton of diversity, but it's just it's just because. When I grew up, we'd go to Huntington Beach and by and large, when I was young, it was a lot of families, but by and large, it just became hot young people, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) that's not what this beach is, you know, (laughs) beaches should be for everyone.
3: That's partly what also makes me feel like a, a, I think Nashville came out the same year, but it feels like Nashville sometimes where it's just like, hey, sometimes the fun of a movie could just be... Looking at a big group of weirdos (laughs) who don't look like they belong in movies, but you're getting to see them in a movie.
2: I feel like in California, old people just don't go to the beach. They somehow don't feel like they can or something. Here, it was mostly old people and like kids and old people. There's just a lot of old people that shouldn't be out in the sun all their lives and they have been.
3: When you went to Huntington Beach and it became young and it was young people, do you think it was like old people feel it's a threat or is it like we're so body conscious here in the West? Coast. I'm, I'm
2: the body conscious thing does feel like, cause I just remember hearing a lot of people, older like, like parents saying that kind of thing. But then again, I mean also Huntington beach, like it started off as a surfers kind of thing. And then it became kind of a, a family thing and then a youth thing. And now it's just crazy people. It's, you know, like real, well, it's really like uh like, Ugh, Instagram, it's just a lot of showy kind of oh. influencer Trump type crazy, just nightmare. It's overcrowded. It's it's just chum, <laughs> <laughs> but not chums.
3: Yeah. We went to a beach last summer and uh, maybe it was just because it was during COVID and stuff, but uh, yeah, it wasn't
2: what beach did you go to um God, why can't I remember? was it like Malibu or Zuma?
3: It was south
2: hermosa, hermosa, yeah, yeah, all the South Bay and the especially the orange county beaches are real douchey, yeah, it's just yeah, it's a shame there's no there's really no good beach to go to ironically long beach for for um vibe is at least it's got a little bit of douche but it's Mm -hmm. at least relaxed but that's a breakwater beach so there's no waves oh
3: man i wonder what that is is it just like because i know some people are just like surfers are assholes yeah (laughs) like is it just i don't know Uh, it's too bad because it's such a groovy area sand and water is
2: fun i know i miss those days of going i just used to go to huntington beach all the time and it was so nice
3: jonathan richmond has a really good song called the beach that's about kind of what we're talking about which is like the beach is just a great thing to see the parade of life uh, before you and stuff but he's like one of the lines is like See who's bum you like the best? <laughs> See who's got a hairy chest? <laughs> <laughs> that
2: summer feeling, that summer feeling. He likes summer. Yeah, he does. That
3: guy. Yeah. Um uh, I like the um um that moment when the mayor goes over to that older guy. Would you get in the pool? Would you, or would oh, you get in the I water? No,
2: and everybody follows that one guy. Why is he such <laughs> the lynch? Well, if Herman does it, I'm not touching water until Herman does. It's traditional.
3: Who knew that that Herman was the James Dean of the town that <laughs> once he does something, everybody <laughs> wants to follow suit. And then
2: everybody goes
3: in. Even the, the kids once they see an old man going, he's like, Yes, yes yeah. old man Ginty's going in there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't go in if it if it weren't. <laughs> Safe. Also, why do Brody's two kids have a real hardcore uh Martha's Vineyard accents, but he ha, doesn't.
3: Yeah. That's funny. Maybe they're just uh, you know, they're younger, it's more they can yeah. absorb more. I love that little interaction. Like, Dad, that's where the old ladies swim. That's yeah. where the grandma swim. Yeah. It's so good. Uh and then when the um when they do go in that little bay area, um I love that I think it's like a painter. It's an artist who Sees Jaws, everybody else is confused, yeah. and there's also that cool thing of like when it's a fake out, they don't John Williams doesn't use the Jaws score Oh, I didn't notice that it's it's because it's not real, and then when it is real, that's when you hear the score, uses the Borat score <laughs> <laughs> or Jackass, and then uh, <laughs> and then uh, when Jaws pops out when he's doing the chumming, there's no music because that's why it surprises, yeah, me you don't want right, to give it right? away, yeah, but I love. Um, the painter girl who's like, There's a shark, there's oh, a yeah. shark. Um, and then <laughs> what's up with that guy who, who whose leg gets bitten off, um, who gets attacked by Jaws? He's like, Hey, you kids all right over there. Wait, is that
2: before or after he gets his leg?
3: Before. Oh yeah. When he's just kind of like
2: <laughs> Of course it's before. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he seems like a like a weirdo. Like, yeah. What do you do with those kids? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm glad to chargate them.
2: I know. That's like when the Boy Scouts are all out there in their little training day. I don't have a way to connect this, but for some reason it reminded me of that, of just how,
0: I don't know what I'm talking about.
2: I know what you mean. I am the worst li- evening podcaster that's ever been.
3: <laughs> well, it's so beautiful right now. The sun's it's coming the magic down through hour. the windows. Yeah. Um, we're sundowning. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am in life. Um, I'm uh, the age Robert Shaw is in this movie. What? Yeah. In fact, I'm a year older because if they shot it in 74, he was 47 um, when he made this.
3: When did he pass away?
2: He was 51. Oh it's God. a sad story. He was driving home from playing golf with his wife and I think son and they were driving and they were really close to home and he was having chest pains and he goes, I just need to get out and walk around and he collapsed on the ground and Aww. his wife ran to a cottage called an ambulance, but he was dead on arrival when they got him to the hospital. 51. Jeez. Louise. But those guys, I mean, they just smoked and drank yeah. for breakfast, lunch and dinner.
3: Yeah. I mean, you see him in some of those shots. Like when, um, Hooper's trying to get to the wheel and he, like, goes on. He just, like, looks and he's got this, like, sweaty, crazed, like, gin soaked (laughs) (laughs) head.
2: Well, I turned to Amanda last night and went, I'm, can you believe I'm the same age as him? And she went,
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 Yes.
2: How old is Scheider and stuff? I don't know how old Scheider is in this. Let me look it up.
3: I love that kind of like black cashmere sweater that he's wearing I on the boat. Know, and when I it gets know. water on it, it like shimmers like, and sparkles.
2: Scene studying already for Bob Fosse. <laughs> Jaws hands. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, I'm back.
1: Jaws <laughs> <Yes, yes. laughs>
3: Gorley, you've had like seven. You're your own Spielberg of like puns right now. Like hit after hit after hit. Oh, the Spielberg of
2: puns is still the Lucas (laughs) of other jokes. (laughs) So he was born in 32. So he's 43 in this, Scheider. Whoa, he's only four years younger than Shaw.
3: Mm, That's not right. I'll
2: do my math again.
0: No, no, no.
3: I'm saying that's not right. The dynamics of everybody. Yeah. And um, then
2: Dreyfus is, he's born 47. So he's, uh, what? He's uh, 28.
3: 28. Wow.
2: wow. He looks a little older. It's because he's got
3: gray in his beard already. Man, that's crazy. Um, and I heard that Spielberg wanted, um, um, Another actor for Shaw. Um, oh, uh, really? Sterling Hayden, who I love.
2: Oh, that would have been interesting. I could have seen yeah. that. I mean, I, you can't beat Shaw after the fact, yeah. but you could yeah. see going in where you would you would choose Sterling Hayden over Shaw because Shaw's so soft-spoken and yeah. Sterling Hayden is just Mr. Authority. Yeah. Oh, uh God.
3: Um, uh Spielberg said he thought he had kind of Hab quality to him. And yeah. if you look at it, you could see how he could like – Look like Ahab
2: I was wondering about the casting what ifs I haven't researched it but like you probably there probably is some for all of them right
3: yeah I wonder um Roy Scheider was supposed to be um Avery uh, Schreiber <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be uh Roy the killer from Brighter <laughs> Thirteenth <13th> Part Five
2: <laughs> and Kenny from Terror Train <laughs> In the mask that was supposed to be, <laughs> uh,
3: then um, uh, uh, they go to the hospital. Oh, I think my favorite shot in the movie is when that boy, uh, the Brody boy, is in the water and he's like looking right at the camera. Oh, the yeah, and they the go back to it twice. Yeah,
2: yeah. That there's just something about whatever Spielberg has told him or gotten him to do. Yeah, he's just looking at something. He really, that kid really is fixed on something, whatever yeah. the case may be.
3: And it's also just kind of like that image, it's on the cover of that BFI book, if it could fit. Oh. But it's like, it's like I think it also just suggests like the era too. Yeah. Like seeing either that boy, a boy like that was seeing Jaws yeah, and having his world, was mind blown. Or just like, is this what it was like to be a kid in the 70s? It's just kind of this like, My parents aren't really watching me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I can tell you it was.
3: I'm constantly like got to make sure a shark doesn't eat me on my own. (laughs) That like look of terror in his eyes looks like the look of like how a kid in the 70s. (laughs) Yes,
2: there is a special kind of 70s trauma. And I think that's what I'm always trying to get at. And I thank you for (laughs) crystallizing it. I suffer from 70s kid trauma. Yeah. Yeah. But that shot, frankly. Well,
3: and and, uh, I won't. But I I think there's probably kids of my generation who suffer from 80s, 90s kid thing of like, their parents were a little, uh, they got in the world, they got out of college, they didn't realize they were the, they weren't the smartest motherfucker in the world. (laughs) And then they had a hard time moving past that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's (laughs) probably some 80s thing too of like, life isn't a perfect beginning, middle, and an end, like we were fed so much, because I have a little bit of that too, because I had definitely some of my formative years were in the 80s too. Of I had a weird mix. I think that's why I'm so confused. Yeah,
3: yeah. I've thought about how, oh, it sucks that I came of age right when the world was like, or I was sexually kind of coming of age. It was basically bookended by, yeah, you could get AIDS. Yeah, And the president got a blow job and he needs to be out of office for that. Like, oh, those were the bookends yeah. of my sexual. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> oh uh, the, uh, uh, so when they're in the hospital, I noticed Ellen, uh, says to bro, uh, to her husband, she goes, um, when he's, he says, well, we're going to go home. She goes home in New York. There's mm. no home here. um, do you think she was saying, "I want to go to New York"? Because it looks like when he says, "No home here," it looks like she's disappointed. Oh
2: yeah, I think she she's like, "We we haven't said anything, but this is enough. We're not serious about this place, right? Like we tried. It ain't. This is. They don't want you here. I don't want to be here. Let's go home."
3: Well, that's so cool because that's just like a a complicated scene yeah. because that's not being doled out to you in an easy way because she's been the person through the whole movie who's kind of like. Let's get in the groove here. We can get in yeah. this. Come on, come on. And then But it's like an echo of the
2: shark book where she gets one taste of reality, and she's like yeah. we're going out. Right,
3: get out right. of the water. Yeah. And an echo also because it's about her child's safety. Yeah. And that's like where it's like you know, we could try to fit in here, but if one of yeah. my kids is going to die, that's yeah. not where. Worth- <laughs>
2: and even for a 70s mom, I'm concerned.
3: But there is a 70s mom moment where she goes don't she mouths to him? I got the other kid. Don't worry. I, the other kid. You see him like kid. running across like a long, a, a busy street, like trying to catch up to his brother.
2: <laughs> oh god, that scene crushed me. Yeah, yeah. The other kid.
0: <laughs> we, we when you're when you're done with the shark thing, we do need to give him a name. <laughs> Just I don't want to bother you, but,
3: um, uh, and then. He goes to the mayor, he gets the mayor's permission to hire Quint. Yeah. And when this movie, I was thinking this movie's more like a two act movie. It's kind of got this first mm. half and then the second. And I love the bridge between the first and second halves are uh not quite exactly down the middle, but it's like he gets the mayor's signature and uh um Quint's dialogue comes out in pre lap. Like as brody's walking away with a signed form you already start to hear quint in the next scene underneath talking because it's like it's just brilliant filmmaking because it's going like somebody who's watched a bunch of movies like spielberg and knows how to make them he knows that that's going to be a boring part for the audience where it's going you got to do this like get over the hill into the next part so it's just like let's just start having the dialogue come as he's walking away it's so and it's just totally uh Shoots you into the back half of the movie,
2: and then you—is this when you go right to Quint boiling shark yep. jaws bones? Yep, yeah,
3: In an obvious set, and that's, he
2: keeps checking them. <laughs> what is he,
3: my? That's when he becomes like a real worry uh, uh, worrywart. My bones, my bones, gotta check Great. my shark jaws. You made me burn me shark bones, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, then that's when the, those three all get together. Are are three three fellas, and then they get on the boat. Um, that little crush in the can gag is pretty funny. Mm,
2: yeah, that is good.
3: And I heard that um, that was back when beer cans were tin. Yeah, and so it's more of a it's actual gesture of masculinity to be able to crush
2: it. Because also when. Uh- Shaw drinks a beer on the orca when he's fishing. He pulls the pop top off,
3: God, too. Yeah. yeah, those are awesome. I
2: know. I remember those.
3: How no did idea. that? Um, is that an environmental thing that they stopped making them that way? I have no idea. Like, because then it keeps the top on latched onto the can if you wanted to.
2: I can't believe it was altruistically motivated, it had right? to be economically motivated because yes. <laughs> it was like a different type of material or no, not the aluminum ones weren't.
3: I don't know. I really don't know. And when did That's it switch re- over? When did I they, don't like, know because I, become aluminum. I know
2: my dad, he always had a Coors and he would pull the pop top and he would drop it right in and he would just drink the full beer with that thing down at the bottom,
3: which God. always felt
2: like is like
1: dangerous.
3: Yeah,
2: I know you're living on the edge. Well we I mean this was back in the days of like he would drive with that between his legs. Oh like,
3: my dad drove yeah. drove with an open container. Yeah,
2: it's crazy. <laughs> so what? <laughs> so it's good to know that they weren't just negligent of us. Young children in the 70s, they were very negligent of themselves. Yes.
3: And the state was, yeah, the state was negligent. And there
2: wasn't a seatbelt to be found. Let me tell you.
3: You know what? They're actually less safe because (laughs) if a car comes at you, you got to deal with that seatbelt to get out of it. If you're stuck on a train track,
2: it's also less safe because the minute you buckle up, you lose your freedom.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I saw enough people of a certain generation, and I'd be riding a car and I'd see like an old grandma with the seatbelt across her but holding it just to this is such like a maybe it's not exactly a midwestern thing but it feels like a midwestern thing which is like i'm worried that i'm gonna get caught breaking rules and laws so i'm gonna pretend but i don't think a seatbelt is actually safe so i'm gonna hold it so that if i can let go if i need to oh my god (laughs) not iowans Just grandmas. Grandmas. (laughs) Grandmas are the worst. (laughs) What if
0: they're
2: so evil? There's there's nothing good about them. I hate
3: grandmas. (laughs) Love Jurassic Park. (laughs) Hate (laughs) hate grandmas. grandmas. I bet Jaws
2: is a fucking grandma. (laughs)
3: Um, what's Quint eating? Are those crackers? Those little things he's are they like? um,
2: I'm not sure what those candy. Communion wafers.
3: He, he's a failed priest, and he's got some extra wafers in the boat that he has to get through.
2: They never call Jaws, Jaws in the movie, right? It's no. like, like Michael Myers is never called The Shape.
3: Yeah, you're right. And Another
2: thing Carpenter stole. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: We're on
3: to you, Carps. <laughs> Carpenter, wait a minute. That's like a job, like a sailor. sailor. Oh, God. Car- captain um john jaws so then they get the barrels out yeah and uh we discuss the scene of them showing scars and uh brody not showing a scar and yeah. uh spielberg has a lot of seems to be a big world war ii nut yeah for so sure I, I love that like jaws finds a way to get some world war II in i there. know
2: i know yeah <laughs> that's pretty good
3: I've wondered about like, what is the interest in that generation's interest in World War II? And I think it's like, oh, my parents experienced it. I want to know what's going on with my parents' life and it's a way to look at it. But sometimes I wonder if it is like a nostalgia for an uncomplicated war or something. It has to be because their
2: war was Vietnam and they're probably thinking like, why couldn't I be involved in a war that it was clear yeah, so clearly defined.
3: But then you watch what's awesome. I mean, 1941 is a bit of a mess, but it's like pretty subversive. It's crazy. I need like to see that again. Charlton Heston told, or John Wayne told Steven Spielberg, "Don't make this movie. It's disrespectful uh, to World War II." But I, when you watch it with the eyes of like this generation who's been through Vietnam, yeah, and so they're kind of like, "Screw your whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Like this
2: is madness." And um, that's funny that he goes to make yeah so many
3: world war ii movies like that are reverential yeah and we talked this a little bit about with um the poltergeist commentary the like i love all spielberg but the socially responsible spielberg is just like my least interesting yeah, one and so too. the saving private ryan stuff is just it's good but it's just like i i haven't seen
2: that movie in so long i was so blown away by that movie but I think I'm always just responding to that first 20 minutes. Like that is the movie to me. But when you get yeah. into the character story, it's it's yeah. not. But I just Oh, that's love.
3: another kid separated from the oh, yeah. parent and trying to get the kid and the right. parent to reunite.
2: Just his ability, he revolutionized World War II movies for me, only in the sense that to that point, almost every World War II movie was the John Wayne style of like freeze when you get shot, clutch your chest and right. go. <laughs> Yeah, and then you know, ease over to just turn it into this visceral, like verite. Re, yeah. re, the b- battles are so convincing, holy cow! And it yeah. was just weird to see a glorified war turned into gritty reality, like Vietnam War movies had kind of become with Platoon, and
3: yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a bit of he's not being entirely socially responsible if he's saying like, I mean, there's some social responsibility, but if you're saying like hey, when people go to war, it's not all valor. It's yeah. kind of messed up and sad. It's like, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I remember when I watched The Longest Day after I saw Saving Private Ryan oh, and like- The longest movie. <laughs> well, it's just, there was a part where like, Ronnie McDowell can't get his gun right. And his, his glasses keep falling <laughs> yeah. off. And I was like, this is so crazy. I know. I, have you ever comparison. seen Stall 17?
2: It's like a wacky comedy. <laughs> it's crazy. And- I've said this before, but Great Escape is just like so technicolor and the music is bum, 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 bum. But right. everybody dies in that movie. Everybody <laughs> dies at the end except for Charles Bronson and his little buddy.
3: So the Great Escape is the souls from their body. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. That is the greatest escape we could ever do. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think that's why I love Force 10 from Navarone so much is it's a mix of a classic – World War II movie with a little bit of seventies grit and kind of a Spielberg feel. Mm. There's just a little bit of a neatness to it in the story.
3: I guess, and yeah. maybe some sort of um, post Vietnam. This this doesn't necessarily all her- heroic. Is there some great yeah? in that
1: one?
2: And there's a there's also like that's sort of represented by Harrison Ford's character, and then the Robert Shaw's a little bit of the throwback. Mm. So you've got the disparity there. Mm, mm-hmm. Bridge Too Far is like that too. It wants it both ways. So it's like a grand classic Hollywood spectacle World War II movie with a little bit of the grittiness, which doesn't work. Yeah. You know?
3: I've never seen Bridge Too Far.
2: It's it's an interesting watch. It's it's a it's definitely too bloated for its own good. Mm-hmm. But Everybody's in that movie. It's crazy.
3: What was it? Just like, uh, just uh, let's I get all the stars. It's like, yeah,
2: movie. the last hurrah of epic movies. Where, but hmm. that is weird because you do have those like Elliot Gould and Ryan O'Neill representing the new guard, Robert hmm. Redford, and then just the classic, you know. Uh, well, I guess I mean, I'm trying to think of who the like original classics are in there. I can't remember.
3: Right oh, of stars. Yeah, yeah, they're just the golden age. Yeah. Well, I
2: mean, in a way, Connery, Michael Caine, and. Holy cow, that is star studded. Oh, and Anthony Hopkins, like, has this, this sort of supporting role. There's a million people wow. in that movie. Yeah. Um, they keep popping up. Maybe I should check that out. Yeah.
3: Uh, the. Uh, I, I do like that they're in this situation because. Quint refuses to get the Coast Guard and he smashes up the radio and stuff. Yeah, that's funny. Like, having problems arise from some a human's weird attitude. <laughs> Dude, I know, I know. I was thinking, like, I like all of these characters so much and I love them in Jaws, but I wouldn't want to be on a boat with any no, of those guys. No, no.
2: I'd pick Scheider for sure, but... I still wouldn't want to be. Yes. Yeah,
3: I just say to Scheider, like, Can you read me a book? <laughs> Tuck me in. <laughs> sure. Jaws by Peter Benson. <laughs> um The um Oh, I noticed uh when Hooper gets squeezed by that rope. Yeah. It makes a weird crunching sound. <laughs> oh, no, What's he got in there? Like a diaper or something oh, no. like a, the sound of a crunchy diaper. Oh, no. That was what was worse for him was like, the boys are going to find out I'm wearing pampers. <laughs> the, the big line,
2: we're going to need a bigger boat or you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. It's great. It's perfect. You hear it quoted all the time. I didn't realize he says it two more times throughout <laughs> the know. scene, yeah. that it's a running theme. But I actually think the more effective line is when Hooper's about to go underwater in the cage and he, he looks down at his mask and he's like, he says, I can't spit. Yeah. I ain't, I ain't got no spit. Yeah. It's really heartbreaking. I know. Because you feel his I fear. I too, yeah.
3: watching it, I was like, ooh, that really is putting me in a place of fear right now. Yeah. Hearing that. Yeah. And also maybe it is because he's vulnerable. Um, I was thinking, you know, that you're going to need a bigger boat too is like, supposedly improvised by Roy Scheider and Uh, improvised. I have to imagine meaning off camera. Hey, can I say this line? Not enough to get two more times action. And yeah, but I was thinking, watching, I was like, this seems like it's coming out of like a Roy Scheider, Stella Adler commitment (laughs) where he's going. It's a, he's speaking the truth. He's, he's looking at this. He's a guy Who's in his character thinking, yeah, the shark's too big for this boat. He would say this a few times. (laughs) Unless because
2: it's in there three times, he thought of it the night before. And he's like trying so hard the next day to get that line. And he says it in every scene and they couldn't (laughs) cut around it.
3: He's saying it like uh, in the scene where he discovers the girl's body on the beach. (laughs) They're like, no, Roy, Come on. Cool it, man. (laughs) His
2: kids crossing his fingers at the dinner table. You're gonna need a bigger glove.
3: You're gonna need a bigger gravy boat. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger glove.
1: <laughs> okay, this is
3: getting very touchy. I'm wondering if yes. we
2: beat our time too. We uh, yeah, we're, we're
3: getting closer, have, right? Um, no, probably not.
1: Uh oh, gonna... I saw
3: a really great can uh, interview with Paul Thomas Anderson where. For punch drunk love. And so he's like, for some of us who don't know punch drunk love, what does that expression mean? And he goes, punch drunk love, punch drunk. Well, punch drunk is like an American term for uh, uh, when you're feeling a little punchy. Uh, <laughs> That's the worst
1: definition. Jesus. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think he
3: knows it's funny to like uh, use a word to describe oh the word. Um uh, hey, when Richard Dreyfuss goes down in that cage, more like Wh- Richard Wetfist. <laughs>
1: okay,
3: okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> when um, Quint puts that machete into the side of the boat and the yeah. water's shimmering behind it, yeah. that looks like a shout out of goddamn Friday the 13th.
2: It does. Right out of the Shimmery
3: way. water with a machete? Yeah. <laughs> Come on.
2: That shark scene, I forgot how amazing that is with the real shark in that scene. Oh,
3: boy. Oof. So that's a real shark with a scaled down cage.
2: Incredible. The FX in this... That's a little industry talk for the movie FX with Brian Brown and Brian Tenney.
3: <laughs> what about FX2? <laughs>
2: yeah. That has a subtitle, doesn't it?
3: Yeah. Fix. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it does. But the the special effects are so good in this movie. There's only like one time where you can kind of see where the hinge on the jaws jaw yeah. is. But yeah. otherwise, it's incredible. FX2, like I feel like it's back to the flesh or that's Candyman. <laughs> what is it? FX2, uh,
3: uh, well... I was thinking, you know, nope, they... there sure isn't. There, um... There isn't? No. Oh, I was convinced there
2: was. Missed opportunity.
3: I'll say. Um, the, uh, I know that that was discovered, um... You know, they were shooting the footage and that shark started freaking out. And it was such good footage. They were like, we just have to use this in Jaws. Uh, Like, they didn't plan for the shark to get wrapped up in the cage like that. They just used it because it was, like, effective. But um, you can kind of tell because the way that shark is thrashing so hard at the top of the water. Yeah. And then they cut to the boat by the orca. There's no... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't (laughs) match. yeah, Yeah. Uh, But... That's the first time I ever know. It. I've watched this movie 20 or so times, and I've never thought about that. Um, so that uh, Quint's death.
2: Oh, I just had that note. It's so fucking effective. Yeah. Because he's such a staid and stoic man, and then he's just screaming like a little <sighs> kid.
3: Well, he's screaming like how he was describing the screams he heard. Yeah. In the inn in the Oh, wow. And then- I never uh, put that together. Uh die. And then, um, there's such a crazy, this edit just doesn't make sense, but it feels right where, and I, it's really like just seared in. It goes when he spits blood out of his mouth and then it just cuts to him fully dead, lifeless and getting pulled out of the boat. Yeah, And I think maybe they had to cut something there to, it got a little too violent or bloody or something, but- it makes sense in my mind. It's like, yeah, I guess what a you just in yeah. the next shot would be dead. <laughs> it's
2: well, it's like that blood spurting was his quietest or his popping life, popping like just he jaws just popped him. Yeah. You know, or something, and he yeah. just all life went out. I think I was so blown away by it because like I said, I I somehow had this misconception of Robert Shaw as a kind of phone it in guy in his later life mm-hmm. because of Force Ten from Navarro. So even though the monologue's amazing, it just feels like Robert Shaw's like, yeah, I I kinda do this level because I don't have the energy. But he he's so alive in his death scene, ironically, and he's giving <laughs> it so much energy. Like he's just he's just a professional fucking yeah, actor. Yeah. Yeah. Ma- expert at his job. Yeah. He's so good.
3: That's so true. And then seeing him Just this huge, massive shark on this boat. This movie's been so careful and easy about how they're showing the shark. So I would have to imagine if you were sitting in the theater and by the time that giant shark is just opening its mouth and Quint is like sliding into it, that theater must have been going, bud, man. I
2: wish there was, you know, like there's that video of people Uh, watching Halloween. Halloween. I wish there was that in Jaws. Maybe there is. There might be, yeah.
3: It could be cool if somebody taped recorded a – an audience watching Jaws. Yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. Um, and then this movie, I I, I'm just, each time I watch it, it seems to move faster and faster, which is a big compliment. Yeah, Like I can't, but the last 10 minutes is just like boom, 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 boom. Once Richard oh, Dreyfuss yeah. falls out of that cage, it's just like um, the boat, it starts just sinking so quickly. Yeah. And then I've wondered this with the, um, Smile, you son of a bitch. Did he ever say bitch? Or was it always, smile, you son of a...
2: I don't know. <laughs> I didn't notice.
3: Um, uh, this had never occurred to me. But if Brody was like looking at... Because I never thought if Brody had been shot and if he had a scar. But I thought, oh, there's something kind of cool about... Brody got shot, ran away to the city, went to a beach to get away from... and But he finally... He pulls out a gun and he shoot. He, he gets shoots. the shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I love the. Um, I think like when he's flipping through the book, is there a, a a shark with a thing in its mouth, like it predicts the water air tank in the mouth?
2: I didn't notice that.
3: Oh. I could be wrong. But I do like how the air tanks get set up.
2: Over and over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely.
3: <laughs> I'd like to think that it was it's out of suspense. Like, they want us to know this is like a loaded gun. Yeah. And it's trying to – but yeah, it's a little too, come on. Yeah. Are leave, you crazy? I
2: told you, leave these plot devices alone. <laughs> We're going to need these. The book has to end differently, right? I just imagine. I don't know if that's true, but
3: – Well, I, I think Hooper doesn't survive. Ah. Uh. And you you understand why Quint dies because it's sort of like he has to because he yeah. fucked everybody over by not letting the Coast Guard come yeah. and his ego he and but and with Hooper it's probably like well he cheated uh, he slept with Brody's wife of right. course he should die so the fact that those two at the end are friends is like a different yeah. end and than the book yeah um also that end is it's it's a great ending but it is kind of like. not like the punctuation mark of what this movie was all about no it's a little odd
2: that richard dreyfus just disappears for a while Mm -hmm. and then just pops up and then they dog paddle together and it's another 70s abrupt ending yeah kind of
3: yeah i thought even like that shot of the beach at the end going to that is almost like a way to like get people to like catch their breath for a little bit moment before the movie ends. It felt like it'd they like, had it
2: like so abrupt and they're like, we got to put something else in here to just yeah. get us. We got to see land in some way. You know? Yes.
3: And right. It's almost like a CD played at a, a spa or something Just like seeing waves Crash on a shore yeah. Like a Okay we're Back home A shark
2: fin should have Come out of the sand In that shot And just like
3: <laughs> Like Freddy's uh, Hand in Nightmare on Elm Street Oh Ford. yeah
2: Yeah <laughs> Or just Canny Uh,
3: When I love Duel Gorley. I've never seen Duel Oh my god Top five Spielberg for me man Really Yes Cause it's Why? peak Spielberg He's like Speak Spielberg I mean he Spielberg. did it two years before Jaws oh. so he's in the pocket and um when Duel dies when the truck <clears> dies <throat> it's the same sound effect and slow motion of him falling as Jaws really and it's the same kind of Ooh. Spielberg claimed he uses the same sound effect for both oh wow um and so when you watch Duel it's it the monster gets kind of the same sort of like I don't know if it's like necessarily like A reverence for the monster or reverence? I I had a friend once who was like, she was like, she loves sharks. And she was like, I love sharks because people think they're destructive, but they're just doing what they think they're supposed to be doing in life. Yeah, they're not evil. And so, I think that's partly why Jaws gets that kind of like, gets some kind of a respectable death and it's beautiful because it's sort of like,
1: well. She's
2: literally just eating lunch. (laughs) Like like we do. (gasps) Like right. somewhere a chicken is making, you know, mandibles and it's it's just one <laughs> big guy coming after them. This yes. is real. Somewhere a chicken is making a
3: movie. This is. Uh. Well, Gourley.
2: Yeah. Should we do a best kill?
3: Best kill.
2: I mean, it's really down to Quint or the lady up top, huh? I mean, there's because they're so iconic or or do you like Ooh. just choosing a, a random one? You
3: know. I, I I got one. I I think it. My favorite is at the kidney, the Alex Kidney boy. Oh boy! Because the way that's set up, of like that sequence is just like a masterclass of just like yeah suspense. When's it going to happen? When something bad's going to happen? Then when it does, and then that crazy pull focus. The yeah focus pull. Oh yeah, yeah that shot rack focus or rack, rack focus. focus yeah. yeah, after he sees the death, and then yeah. the way it's so. Cr- as far as a slasher fan, like that big gush of blood coming up and kind of weird looking. I know. And that like kid focus dying.
2: is so bridge, bridge of eras because it's so Hitchcockian to me. Yes. Vertigo. And it feels slightly out of place in this movie, but but this movie's old enough to kind of just be on the tail end of using that. Yeah, And yet it's like the last time you see that until probably what De Palma in the eighties or something. Right, right. Or I don't yeah, know. Probably yeah. not,
3: but no, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. feels
2: like that went out of vogue for a long, it became too cheesy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Or just became so that's Jaws. Yeah. Jaws does that. You yeah. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, what, what I'll go yours? Quint. Hey, all yeah. right. Yeah. Cool. Cool.
2: And out uh, of 13. 13. Yeah. Same here. I mean, it's, it's a shoe in like Halloween to me. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we did it. Now, next week I'm really looking forward to. I remember loving Jaws 2 because it's just empty calorie fun. Yes. It's like good junk food if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong.
3: Yes. I I haven't watched it in a long long time, so I'm really excited to watch it. Yeah, me I too. haven't in a while. And then um I do think I remember like a the opening has a shot in a indoor pool at a holiday inn or a holiday inn that's on a beach, and I just want to get back to that cozy holiday inn oh, on a beach. yeah.
2: I always remember as a kid having a crush on the girl in the sailor dress and also really f- loving her because there's a scene where she's protecting the kid first and pushing him up on the boat to save him over herself. And I just felt like, was it you that were talking, you were on the, the cozy
0: cast
3: about- <laughs>
2: Your transition of liking a mommy versus
3: sex. Yeah,
2: that's gonna seem so stupid <laughs> out of context. Don't judge me. <laughs> L- become a patron if you want to. If you want to know that I'm not weird, subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just gonna think I'm weird, and you don't want
3: that. You don't want that. No. <sighs> well, Gorley, this is so much fun. Good kickoff. Holy cow! Oh, holy shark! Holy shark is right. Um, but thank you for this, uh, yeah. this this fun. Same here, buddy. And thanks everybody for joining us here. We'll
2: see you next time for Jazz Deuce.
3: Deuce Deuce Jazz Deuce Jazz Deuce Jazz Deuce Jazz Jaws Deuce Jazz
2: Jaws Deuce. <laughs> <laughs> Deuce Jesus Jesus For more Gorle and Rust content. Head over to patreon.com slash to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash Email us at withgourleyandrust at gmail.com, and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Wood and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candyman's.